Hello, film lovers, and welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. The Films I Love Most podcast is recorded live with live messaging. So sometimes people do message in with very inappropriate comments. We can't help that. It's just the general public. So if you hear something that is offensive or rude, we try our best to put a stop to it, but it might just sneak through. So I do apologize for that. But anyway, let's move on. Enjoy this episode of the Films I Love Most podcast. Hello, film lovers, and welcome to another episode of the Films I Love Most podcast. Sit down, relax, and whap out those cinematic snacks. It's time for the Films I Love Most podcast live. Hello. As I live or breathe, it's Cliff Dawson. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Happy Valentine's Day to you, blah, blah, blah. No one cares. How are you doing? (laughs) Same to you, and I'm doing wonderful. It's a a beautiful Sunday. How's the uh, weather out there in the UK? Well, the snow still hasn't uh, broken down, so it's like sheet ice out there at the moment. If you want to go to the grocery store, it's like one slide, and you're basically there. So um, very dangerous, but loving it. Taking my life in my hands every time I want to go for a walk. But uh, good fun. Yes, listen. Uh, when you're taking your life in your hands, why? Because you're going to uh, fall? Or you're going to drown in the snow? Oh. Oh God, yeah, fall. I mean, it's literally sheets like ice out there at the moment because it's it's snowed, but it's still so cold that the snow isn't melting. So um, we just, 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 <laughs> so you're not going to drown in the I snow, feel, but you might fall and crack a hip or something. Exactly. I feel like David Lynch right now, giving his the weather report. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we can move on from that. I was just curious. <laughs> uh, you know, I was just checking in. Hey, guys, welcome, welcome, welcome <laughs> to Keith Andrews and I's stereo chat on Sundays. We're doing sequel mania today, right? I'm very excited about this one, as I am all our shows. Absolutely. So over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about films that um like sort of analyzing novels that have been turned into films, the best and worst. But I thought I'd give it a little twist this week, something where we don't need to necessarily do so much research, but just sort of naturally flow from um, people's desires uh, as it is Valentine's Day. And there is a lot of desire out there, especially with lockdown. Um, 
<laughs> people sequels yes. that people want to see. People sequels to films that people you know love but haven't had a sequel, and it's a disaster. It's shocking that we haven't <laughs> had a sequel to these movies. So yeah, um, I, I put I, up Instagram. Yeah, go, no, on. go ahead. No, no, no. You go, Keith. I'm good. I was gonna say I uh, put up on Instagram a little poll uh, to uh, ask people films that they would like to see sequels to. And uh, yeah, some really interesting suggestions uh, that I think that um, you'll probably be like, oh, but uh, I think <laughs> no, some I'm, of them... I'm looking forward. I like this. I like it a lot. Cool. I, I wanted so, to yeah, ask you that before we jumped in, um, did you get to watch Clarice? Because that was a sequel I had wanted to see that never got made, you know, obviously with Jodie Foster, Silence of the Lambs. And I know they did it like a, uh, it's a, it's a sequel TV series. Did you get to watch it? So I was going to I was going to text you actually this morning. I did watch it, but I couldn't give you a fully formed um, decision whether I thought it was good or not. I think I need another episode or two. Really? I think but it does take those... place after Buffalo Bill, right? Yeah, literally like a year later. And she's so... working like she's gotten promoted or something at the FBI and she's working on a new case. There is an element of that. There's a lot of um, sort of sexism going on because obviously, you know, it's set still in the 90s. Uh, a woman who solved this case, a lot of men around her are very suspicious and are very sort of uh, not exactly over the moon by the fact that she is being promoted. Um, but also there's some there's some sort of politics going on, which I'm not quite sure if I understand it at the moment. But, um, you know, she sort of has to, prove herself i think it's like a thing of like one hit wonder do you know what i mean like is she going to be able to without hannibal lecter you know helping her and all of that sort of baggage behind her is she going to be able to go on and solve this new case but what i did like about it was there's some really do you know we were talking about um dr sleep a couple of weeks ago and yes of um, course of course love 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 yeah. go on yeah and you mentioned that you love the fact that the um the flashbacks and stuff were done with new actors. They didn't sort of, you know, recycle the, um, you know, material. They actually used like new actors to do those scenes or yes, use yes. the, what do they call it? Fake, fake something <laughs> technology where they put someone else's face on to an actor. Oh yeah. They yeah well, they CGI it, but right. Go on. Yeah. Like deep fake technology. They reconstructed some of the scenes uh, from Silence of the Lambs to so the scene when she when they're using the um, the night vision goggles and oh. and those scenes like as flashbacks but they were done really really authentically you know and you can tell that they weren't from the mm. original film because they they put her in you know the actress who's playing Clarice now into the yes. scene but I and liked did... it it was really good I love that and did you like her yeah yeah she's How great but I just I... What was her accent um. Uh, okay so i wasn't over the moon i wasn't like yeah she's nailed it but uh, she, I, I feel like i need to see more i need to see more before i can give you a 100 percent hand on my heart decision whether it is good or not all right so we're going to reserve our uh our critique i'm going to watch it this week but i was actually you know the interesting thing about what you're saying is that i was I, I'm, I'm excited to watch it but i was waiting for two episodes i wanted to at least watch yes. two 
before it, uh, you know, I didn't just want to see the pilot. And, and that's why I've held off. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting Whereas, that you say that. Yeah, as you know, I'm very impatient when it comes to, uh, <laughs> to things like this because I need it now. Uh, no, 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 not tomorrow. I need it now. Uh, right. that's there's, what I'm there's not much out. Like. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. Exactly. And um, I was pleasantly surprised, but I do feel like um, I just need a little bit more. I feel like I feel like I did when I first watched Hannibal. Do you know what I mean? Like this is um, like different. This is a different take on the story. There's a lot of things going on, but I don't feel like I can sort of connect with it until I know where these story strands are going. And at the moment, I, I don't. So I need I need some more time with it. Okay, well, Definitely. we're going to get back into that then. So, so should we jump into this this topic? Because, you know, I got a lot of ideas and I know you do. And I hope we're going to get some uh, ditties and our listeners are going to jump in and tell us what they're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, like the question is, what film do you like or do you love that hasn't got a sequel that you think deserves to? Now, I'm getting uh, messages through from my Instagram question, like as we're speaking, uh, Orange Gina's just messaging that she'd like to see a sequel to Tank Girl. Oh, the Laurie Petty movie. You know, that's a pretty <laughs> great idea. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that's a, I would not in a million years have thought of that. What do you think about that? Did you like the original Tank Girl? I do vaguely remember it. It came out sort of mid 90s, doesn't it? I don't know 95. if it's a little bit too. Yeah, I don't know if it's a little bit too late now to actually have a sequel to. Uh, the original, but maybe a reboot of Tank Girl might be quite interesting. Well, yeah, it's based think? on it was a it was a British comic series, actually, mm-hmm. by uh, Jamie Hewlett. So uh, and and Alan Martin, I guess, said it was published in Deadline magazine. I'm um, reading this off of Wikipedia now, and she's an antihero, Tank Girl. Uh, listen, Laurie Petty was great in it. Obviously, she can't do it anymore. But though, I, I don't, I wonder if we picked up a Tank Girl with Laurie. Because did you happen to catch Laurie Petty's turn in uh, Orange is the New Black? Yes, I did. Yeah. I thought she was great as great. a crazy woman. Yeah, yeah. She's so, very, very good. Yeah. So I wonder if they got it all back together again, like put the band back together and we get Ice-T, we get Naomi Watts, we get Malcolm McDowell. Everybody's still alive. Yeah. Graham Ravel to do the music. I mean, MGM, my favorite studio, did it. So I, I got to say, I mean, the problem was, and here's why we didn't see a sequel. The box office was $6 million. It was a huge yeah. bomb. <laughs> yes. And, and only, that's why. I know. I, yeah, I know that we don't like to talk about um, like IMBD and Rotten Tomatoes scores, but it is a, four, a 5.4. So yeah, that's look at, low. I, I don't mind talking about it. You know, on Stuck at Home with uh, Cliff and Jason with Starburns Audio, my partner, you know, uh, our, our podcast, we we had uh, we have on as a regular guest Jacqueline Coley, who's a senior editor at Rotten Tomatoes. And the more she's a wonderful, really brilliant person. But the more we talk to her, the more I really do like Rotten Tomatoes. I have to say uh, the more I'm learning about how it works and how they run things there. Uh, I feel like they're really kind of spot on in a lot of ways. And it's a uh, it's a weird thing because, you know, me, Keith, I don't like saying that. I still don't understand Medicare, yeah. though, at all. <laughs> the, is it a high score that's good? Is it a low score that's good? It seems like everything's like fifteen percent on Metacritic. I never get yeah. that. 
Well, my problem here, okay, with Rotten Tomatoes and IMBD actually, is that I mm-hmm. feel like the horror genre is treated rubbishly. I feel like the, you know, what scares people is subjective. So therefore, a really good cracking horror movie could be on there at six, six point five, and that to me, I don't know. I just feel that as a guide to certain genres, those websites are not necessarily very accurate. And that's where I have my mm, moments with Rotten Tomatoes and IMBD. What do you think about that? Well, mm, you know, I have to agree with you. I, listen, I think that it's, is it a, is it a fun, is it symptomatic of the fact that, that horror fans, because it seems like horror fans are probably the most involved types of fans, right? So why aren't we getting the, the correct tracking, let's say, for this? It's, it's, it's very weird. I I I I, I kind of want to disagree with you, and I I am finding yeah. it difficult to. <laughs> well, I, I think really what it is, in... it's, it's, go ahead. Yeah, it's the critic scores, isn't it? So if all the horror fans went on there, like all the fans that are watching, like in the search of darkness documentaries, there be most horror films, even the shittiest, like latter uh jason sequels would probably be at eight eight point five but because you've got these critics that are going in that don't necessarily love the horror genre but they're doing it because it's their job and they're having to review something that you know they're a bit meh about in the first place it could be you know the exorcist it could be texas chainsaw massacre but they'll still give it sort of two and a half three stars out of five so i think it's because go ahead go on no go on i was just gonna say if you look at the um the top hundred uh, list, you know, for Rotten Tomatoes for horror films, you know, number one is Us. Number two is Get Out. Mm. Number three is A Quiet Place, which I couldn't disagree with more. Um, and number four is an old one, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920. Huh. And then yeah. The Invisible Man, Nosferatu from 1922. And then King Kong from 33, which is that a horror movie? <laughs> and then Psycho's eight, right? Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. I'm just going to do the top ten. Bride of Frankenstein's nine, and then the Babadook is is uh, ten at ninety eight percent. See what I mean? Like, where's the yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Where's the Exorcist? Where's you know? Uh, it follows. Where are these like classics? They're not on there. Ooh, I love it. Follows people- is fifteen. Yeah. It follows is fifteen with ninety five percent. Frankenstein, nineteen thirty one, is a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a little, it's a little odd. Freaks is is ninety five percent. Night of the Living Dead is ninety seven percent. Aliens is ninety seven percent. You know, and and by the way, the lighthouse is in here. That's a horror movie. I mean, it was horrible, but I didn't know it was a horror movie. No, I, it's a good movie. I love Willem Dafoe. It just was so boring. How is that a horror movie? It was hard. Was a horror movie? It was yeah, hard. It was rough. It I, was rough. Yeah, I sat through. I, I see what you're saying. London. Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, you look at those that list and you just think, right, OK, it's almost like uh, the critics are happy to give high ratings to to um, to films that that make them look down with the kids. But when it actually <laughs> comes to those quite, you know, those classic horror, you know, staples that there wouldn't be, though, most of those films in the top 10 you know, more modern films wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the classics that they seem to have left off the list. So it just baffles me. Baffles me. 
Yeah, listen, you're you're not wrong, and uh, as as we look more at it, you know, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Silence of the Lambs is ninety six percent. Rosemary's Baby is the same. So yeah, I mean, oh. listen, all right, let's get back on track. But uh, you know, I like this. Well, you hate version. Rosemary's Baby. You hate <laughs> oh, that, you right? No, are you kidding? I love that movie. Where did you get that? What, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, Roman Polanski. I mean, listen, I don't like Roman Polanski, but he makes a damn good movie. Unfortunately, you know, he's a child rapist but he makes a hell of a film you know it's like you get into that position we talk about all the time how do we separate the art from the artist i think i must have dreamt that everybody hates rosemary's baby yeah not me <laughs> not me i mean you're talking about i mean it even has anton Levey in it as 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 satan I mean, like this thing's got everything <laughs> for everyone, you know. I mean, Mia Farrow. Apart from she married Frank Sinatra. What are you going to say? Apart from what? Apart from everyone under the age of eighteen, just throwing it out there. I don't want to get sued. No <laughs> kids watch that film. It's grim. <laughs> no, no kids should be on stereo. So if you're on stereo right now and you're under eighteen, just go play Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever that is, go and play it. So, um, <laughs> all right, let's jump back in. Another, what do we got another. Yeah, another one that's just come in. So Tank Girl, um, thumbs up or thumbs down for a sequel? I'm going, listen, I'm going with thumbs up, especially today. I think it's actually incredibly timely. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Thumbs up. Orange Gina, I know Orange Gina's yep. listening. Thumbs up for yep. you. Thumbs uh, up for Tank Orange Girl. Gina. Thank you for a the great next one, one to start the is... show off. Yeah, absolutely. Next one's from Catherine, and Catherine 2022 said that she would like to see a sequel to Inside Out, the Pixar movie. Oh, huh. Mm. What do you think? What would that be, though? Well, I'm trying to think what it would be, right? Because it felt like they dealt with everything. Like, would it just be a continuation? Would it be a different child? I mean, it could be a different child. Maybe they could do it with um, with a boy this time. I mean, see the difference between... <laughs> well, let me just let you in, the, Catherine. The let me... Okay, Keith, I'm cutting you off for a reason, and, and I'm sorry, but let me let everybody in That's on fine. this. Uh, according to the Cinemaholic, there will be a sequel. How about Ooh. that? They're saying okay. that um, a major emotion picture. So <laughs> here's what this is. Well, no, I don't know that. It, keep talking. Keep talking. I'm going to look at this while you're going. Tell, tell me more about. Yeah, I mean, I'm having a look into it. I can't see anything inside out. It's like lots of question marks inside out too. question mark, question mark, question mark. Right. I mean, right. What, I, I think I, I think misread. Be, yeah. I think it would be interesting to do it with a different child, but maybe do it like because obviously it was about a young girl in the first one. Maybe we could do it with a young boy so we can have like the contrast thing, like how um the emotions are uh, handled you know maybe like a different family unit maybe uh, a family who are you know not as dare i say white privileged as they were in the first movie mm. um well let maybe, me jump in on that for a lot. second keith let me jump in on that because i think personally that soul is the sequel to inside out Ooh, yeah okay that? yeah that's interesting Explain why you think that. I mean, okay, so it, obviously it's not a sequel. Just let's be, you know, very clear. You know, it's it's not the sequel, but, you know, you look at the be best Pixar movies and it always feels like what we would kind of, as kids, imagine that the uh, answers are to questions that 
you know, it's that magical thinking, right? Pixar kind of nails that. Like what happens to toys when kids aren't in the room? Where do dreams come from? What happens to uh, robots without humans kind of thing, right? So Inside mm-hmm. Out, uh, it really kind of got like, why do we feel the way we feel? So it's profound. And uh, it, it provided, you know, I think, especially for kids, but for adults too, one of the sort of best answers. It's, it's wonderfully executed, wonderfully, wonderfully conceived. Um, it, the world, you know, how they populated the world, et cetera, et cetera. So if you look at where Inside Out left off, uh, first of all, they share a, a director and a co-writer in, in uh, Pete Doctor. So that's, that's the first part. And instead of describing emotions, now soul describes soul. So like if we leave off where we finish describing about emotions and why we feel the way we feel, then doesn't soul kind of take the natural organic progression from that, which is, well, why we feel the way we feel now, is it something to do with our souls? And, you know, and where did we get these personality quirks and interests before going to earth? So it's really taking, um, off on the same question does that does that seem to track for you in any way yeah no it does and um i agree a lot with what you've just said i do think that it's a dare i say spiritual sequel um in some ways (laughs) but um yeah i do like it and uh i think we spoke about um uh stole didn't we when we both first watched it i think we watched it at pretty much the same time uh i was an emotional wreck it's such a good film yeah, but again, I, I thought it was one of the best classic. of 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A standalone classic. See, that's a film that I wouldn't want to see a sequel to because I feel like the power and the the story was so um, summed up in that in that movie that I don't think there could be a, a sequel. But I do sort of feel the same about Inside Out as well. I think what they were trying to tell, like through those characters and through that sort of scenario of having, you know. Uh, emotions personified into like characters I think they've told that story I think it'd be very difficult to sort of capture that lightning in a bottle again and make it as interesting or as entertaining and thought-provoking as the first that's just how I found something interesting um from the insider uh Kemp Powers the co-director uh, with Pete Doctor mm-hmm. or Soul, he told uh, Insider over Zoom during a virtual press day for the film. He says it's a totally different world and characters, but it was born of Inside Out. He says my experience of making the film, I think, in a way, really was boot camp for us. I don't know that we would have been able to handle the complexity of this film had we not had that experience with Inside Out. So that, ah. I think, yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? And Inside Out, by the way, yeah, eight hundred and fifty-eight million. 858 million worldwide. Just let that sink yeah. in. Yeah, so how, how would the, the, uh, the earnings be um, worked out for Soul then, seeing that it's um, on a subscription service? Now you're asking the, the question that's going to be plaguing all of us, everyone who works in this business now and, and talks about film. And we don't know. <laughs> this is the problem. Yeah. We don't know. Oh. I guess we're basing it in subscribers, right? Yeah, but those subscribers might not be. I mean, they might not be watching the film. They might be watching like The Mandalorian and not watching Soul. So I suppose <laughs> it's it's difficult, isn't it? They might be watching Hamilton. Yay! <laughs> Which is not a movie. <laughs> it's a recording of a play. I, I just let's be clear about that. <laughs> it's like my grandpa came and recorded my play at the high school, and now I'm releasing it. 
Oh, if there's any way I know how to push Mr. Dorfman's buttons, it's just mention Hamilton. <laughs> oh, just, dear. I don't think it's great. Come on. Should we listen to this okay, message real okay. fast? What do you think, Keith? It's just sitting oh, there yeah, plaguing me. So. I'm looking okay. at that list. So, I have <laughs> a couple. So one is uh, the U.S. version of the girl with the dragon tattoo with Rooney Mara and Ooh. Daniel Craig. I really wish that they would do the sequels for those. The um, the girl on fire and the girl that kicked the hornet's nest. Um, and then also... A huge one that I know I'm not the only one that feels this way is a another sequel. Uh, well, is a sequel to Hocus Pocus, and um, uh. you know they did a book, which the book was just you know just shit. But um, I heard there's <laughs> talks about a Hocus Pocus, but they keep on just you know throwing it to the wind, and you know not really caring. So. <laughs> Not just talk, my friend. I do believe that Hocus Pocus, the sequel, is um, is in pre-production or production now and is going to be heading to Disney Plus at Halloween. I'm saying that, this like an Australian. That, is that really happening? <laughs> well, I'm saying it like an Australian, like a question <laughs> at the end of each sentence, because happening? I don't know. But, yeah, but I do believe that it is happening. Uh, Halloween, I do believe that everyone is signed on. They did a photo opportunity, I think, for it. So I think Hocus Pocus is happening. Let us know, guys. Do let us know um, if that is happening. If Bette Midler is listening, hi. Hi, Bette. Uh, welcome. <laughs> um, and please do let us know what your plans are for Hocus Pocus 2. Um, and going back to the girl with the dragon tattoo. Now, I'm a massive fan of the book. I'm a massive fan of the original uh, movies, um, the foreign language films. Love mm -hmm. the um, the Daniel Craig uh, and Rooney Mara uh, version. Um, even though there is one scene where I physically have to leave the room and then wait for someone to go, it's done, and I come back in and then watch the rest <laughs> of the movie. But the Which problem scene? is, oh, it's the scene when she's attacked by her probation oh, yeah. officer guy. Yeah. I hate yeah. that scene. Um, but yeah. um, I think now they've completely and utterly missed the opportunity to do that because um, of the the sort of sequel they did recently with um, oh god I'm so bad at names. Is the, it the uh, girl with the spider's uh, web? Yes, with um, right. the the lady who played the queen in the the crown, which I can never remember Olivia her name, Coleman? which is really stupid. No, it's uh, oh the first one, Claire Foy. Yes. Claire Foy. There we go. It always pops out of my head. I know it's Claire, but I can't remember. So Claire Foy, yeah. So it came out in 2018, The Girl in the Spider's Web. It was sort of, uh, it is a sequel. So after Steve Larson died, um, his friend took over writing the books. And this was the first book that wasn't officially written by him. And um, that was made into a film. So they sort of skipped over the um the the two sequels to the dragon tattoo and have gone straight for this new sort of um new beginning for for the character but unfortunately the film didn't uh hit with audiences so therefore we won't see any more of those even though there are more books um that are out with that story of like elizabeth uh, salander which is really sad i feel like they excuse my french 
feel like they fucked it up. I feel like they fucked up this franchise in America. And it was such, it had such potential. But I, I feel like they just waited and waited and waited. And then by the time, you know, something else could be made, uh, they went with the completely wrong option of making a feel like an installment that no one had heard of unless you'd read the book. You, oh, you're what saying you that think? going with the spider's web. Yeah, going with the spider's web was such a bad idea. They should have done, um, definitely done The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo because that is a really uh, an amazing film. And then they should have done the two follow-ons that were done in as foreign language films. So you can watch them, The Girl Who Played With Fire and The Girl Who Kicked The Hornet's Nest. You can watch those um, if you're interested. But they were actually sort of made for TV movies that just hit really big. Um, but the first film was so well made and so well received that they became sort of mainstream films. But then, then obviously the American remake, Girl with Dragon Tattoo, didn't do very well. And the reason why I don't think it did very well was because who, who in their right mind thinks it's a great idea to release a film as dark as The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo that includes rape, murder, incest, all of these things, release it at Christmas? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think also what we what we're seeing is um, uh, it was miscast. I don't think Daniel Craig was the right person. You know, I, I think Ooh, there was a lot of okay. bond hanging over that. You know, I think it was before Skyfall came out, right? So I think there was a lot of you know bondism. You know, I know this doesn't sound that sounds weird, <laughs> but, but that does yeah. sound like you get that in Soho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right i mean yeah you're not, you're not wrong uh you know it's like michael uh nickvist i think played uh uh blom what's the name blomkvist in the yellow bird movies Bloomfist. and uh, yeah, Bloomfist. yeah yeah i mean here's the thing i i think fincher did a great job i i do think daniel craig was a big problem um there's uh the movie shouldn't have cost 90 million dollars you know we can start there you know, so uh, she's different, right? Uh, you know, uh, Rooney Mara is different, right? In in the uh, movie, don't you think? Then she I mean, is yeah, in... she's definitely, yeah, she de there's definitely um, a different characterization, which is like not a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, you bring to that character what you want to bring to it. Um, but right. obviously it was done better in the original version, in my opinion, anyway. Like yeah, and I think Steve Zalian wrote adapted it, right? Who's I think one of the best writers we have. Um, but they they uh, Zalian, I know they uh, him and Fincher talked about how they reluctantly structured the film around five acts rather than a conventional three acts feature film structure, um, and they kind of uh, uh, directly compared it to TV cop dramas. Dramas. So a uh, 158 minute movie. Uh, his film is. Um, you know, uh, again, re five act structure. I think these are the, some of the things that went wrong. Ninety million dollar budget, which you didn't need. For, I mean, there's not that like CGI. You don't need, especially at this time. You know, a ninety million dollar budget is like today. It would be like an Avengers, but it would be like a hundred and ninety. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fake snow in it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> it's not that expensive. <laughs> a lot fake of fake snow. snow. That's all I'm saying. It's not. It's not that expensive. So yeah, I think those are the. Um, I think those are the kind of the main reasons. And I think at the end of the day, um, the girl played with fire and the girl kicked the hornet's nest. Uh, they were set to be filmed back to back. 
Yes. Is what I understand. Yeah, and the I, original Bastion's Square. Right. And um, what's his name? Uh, Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven, was um, supposed to rewrite, or he did rewrite uh, Zalian's draft of the film. And Fincher and Morrow were both happy with his reported like his departures from the novel, but the release date came and went and there were no signs of movement. And, you know, I think everything just went wrong where, you know, I think it was one of those situations and it didn't make enough money. Again, we get back to the, you know, the bottom line. It did not make enough money. And Fincher went and did, uh, what did he do? Gone Girl? After that? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Right, I but mean, I can tell so... you why it didn't make any money. That <laughs> releasing a film like that at Christmas time against, and and I remember this because I went and saw the movie. Uh, back in those days, we used to do like uh, me and my partner at the time used to do Boxing Day. Used to be Cinema Day, so we'd go up to the cinema on Boxing Day and watch all the new releases back to back. So we might watch three or four films back to back in one day. And I remember we watched um, Mission Impossible. Ghost Protocol, and then we watched The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Two very different movies. The audience that was sitting and watching Girl and Dragon Tattoo, there were, you know, sort of teenagers with their mothers, with their nans, with their like, uncles, aunties, you know, and then suddenly this film comes on dark from the very moment it starts. And then you had the rape scene, and you could just feel everyone around you really uncomfortable. You know, this is this is not the film that you're expecting to come on Boxing Day and watch. And I think that was a massive problem. I think they screwed that up. They should not release a film like that anywhere near the Christmas time period. It's just not made for that. It's maybe October time, sort of November time, but not on Boxing Day. (laughs) That's just from personal experience as well. I think you're right. And I think also just to keep in... Um, you know, to keep everyone kind of uh, in reality for Hollywood, even though the movie made about 230 million worldwide, that's not, they did not consider that like a runaway hit. And then, you know, so that that means, right. So that means they have to trim the budget, which means, oh, let's keep Fincher, but do we get rid of Daniel Craig? Because he's more expensive, you know, like, so, Mm -hmm. so what do you do? So again, I think these are all reasons. I do think you're right though. I think the release date was absolutely ridiculous. You know, release it the week before Christmas. Release it, you know, uh, you know, two days after Christmas. Don't release it on Christmas. No, absolutely. And oh my goodness, the marketing. Oh, Cliff, I tell you what. Whatever film uses the catchphrase "the feel bad film for Christmas," like, what are you doing? That's that's. <laughs> I mean, they tried to warn to you. They tried to warn you. The feel bad film for Christmas. Yeah, that's the same tagline as they had for like Bad Santa. Do you know what I mean? And that's a comedy. I mean, I'm not saying that people thought that Girl with Dragon Tattoo was a comedy, but what I'm saying is that it was a very popular book around the time. Not necessarily everybody read the book, but they thought they were going to watch a thriller. If you watch the trailers for the American version, it really does play like a crime drama in the snow. And I think that's what attracted people to it. There's nothing in that trailer that points towards sexual violence, incest, or any of the of the other sort of very disturbing elements that make up the uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo trilogy. And I just think I just think whoever thought it was a good idea needs to be old yellowed. 
<laughs> take out the rifle and let's get it done. All right, yeah. let's move on. Old let's move on. We, we, we've handled <laughs> this. We've handled this. All right, so no, no dragon tattoo sequel in any future. Um, I would like to see it. I, I would give it a thumbs up, but I just think it's uh, in too much turmoil to go the route of us seeing a sequel. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, okay, so who have we got next? We've got Chris has said that, um, oh my goodness, he'd like to see a sequel to Raging Bull. I mean, first of all, one of my, it's in my top 10, but what, what, what's the sequel? I mean, Jake Lamont is old and fat and living, like, I don't understand. And now he's a sex offender. What's the sequel? <laughs> Like really, yeah. What is like, that ending was? I got to give a thumbs down on that almost immediately. And Chris, respect, respect. I'm not trying to diss anyone, but just personally, I mean, I know every frame of that movie. Where, where like, if you're gonna give us a, an example like Raging Bull for a sequel, tell us why, because you know, give us your take on it. Like, what is? Because like, would do you have a take on that one, Keith? How would you even approach um, that? I mean, that film, I watched it when I was studying uh, film studies at college. Um, you know, that film is emblazoned in my brain. Do I want to see a sequel? No, of course not. There's no story there. To what, I, what I'd quite like to see is maybe a film about the making of Raging Bull. That could be quite interesting. Like a docudrama. Oh, like doing... That could be quite nice. Yeah, like they're doing with The Godfather? Yeah. Why not? That'd be quite interesting. Now, I like things like that. Here's the weird I do thing. Like Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off, Keith. No, 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 I was dumb. <laughs> you were? You sure? Yeah. Just checking. <laughs> I just, okay. just getting the last so, syllable so, in. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, um, there is a movie called The Bronx Bull, which came out in 2016, and it was written and directed by Martin uh, Gugui. And it starred uh, William Forsyth, Paul Servino, Joe Mantegna, Tom Sizemore, Natasha Henstridge, and Penelope Ann Miller. And it's based on the story of Jake LaMotta. It tells the struggles of the champion with the outside life. It was filmed in Los Angeles and released in uh, 2017 in January. And then there was a lawsuit um, in Variety. Let's see. In 2006, they reported that Sunset Pictures was developing the sequel to Raging Bull entitled Raging Bull 2, uh, the continuing story of Jake LaMotta. And this is that movie, basically. But um, July in 2012, MGM, my favorite studio, they owned United Artists. They file, filed the lawsuit against LaMotta and the producers of Raging Bull to keep the new film from being released. And, uh, you know, there's a whole argument. And then the producers uh, retitled the film The Bronx Bull. So it disassociated itself as a sequel, yet it is technically the sequel. And I think, again, this goes to what we were saying. It's a combination prequel and sequel of Raging Bull that explores before the rage and after the rage of world middleweight boxing champ Jake LaMotta's tumultuous life and times. I mean, this is why no one saw it. No one gives a shit. Like, what else can you say? <laughs> Scorsese nailed it. You know, I don't want to see Martin Guigui's, uh, uh interpretation with the freaking Tom Sizemore. I mean, come on. No, we don't want any googly film about that. That just doesn't googly. fit right with me. <laughs> no googly film about that, please. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Well, Raging yeah. Bull, Raging Bull was a massive thumbs down already. That thumbs didn't even down. need any time. Right? That get, was terrible. <laughs> That was terrible. Sorry, Chris. Okay. Much love, but that was terrible. Should we get through some of these ditties? What do you think? 
Yeah, let's hit some. All right. You want me to drive? Yeah, I'll drive. Listen, right. We all know what sequel we want. We want Green Lantern 2. All right? This is a flash. Ah. I'm sorry. Not mad oh. at that. Green Lantern 2? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> Wait, an interesting uh... one because... Uh... Go ahead. I mean, it's not my fav- not my favorite, but I was going to say next week we're talking about superhero sequels, so that's probably going to be a good one to talk about. But, um, yeah, I mean, oh, how do you feel about the first one? I remember not being really impressed. Yeah, I was, you know, uh, it's Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. I think, isn't that where they met? Oh, you know, and- well, that's not. <laughs> I like and that. we had, you know, we had Peter Sarsgaard, Angela Bassett, Tim Robbins. It wasn't like it was a bad cast. I think, you know, the problem was um, Greg Berlanti, who's a great producer. I don't think he's a great writer. And he wrote the screenplay and the story. So I mm-hmm. think maybe it fell short there. Um, and by the way, Martin Campbell, who's, you know, of, of Bond fame, et cetera, one of the better directors, directed it. So I think there was a lot of potential. Um but it only grossed two hundred and nineteen million, and it cost two hundred million. So, and it got a completely negative reception. But I mean, listen, here's the thing: I would say it's better for a remake or a reboot. I agree with the uh, reboot, definitely. I mean, twenty six percent. I know that you know we, uh, you like the lady from Rotten Tomatoes. Twenty six percent, twenty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, yeah, um, no, no one liked yeah, this. Then, no, no one liked this. So, so, are are you wanting a sequel because you hated the first one so much? You want to kind of get, you know, cleanse your brain's palate. Mm. You know, like is that it? Because I don't know how. Like, what what does a sequel look like? I mean, there's plenty of stories to tell with Green Lantern. You know, I mean, Lord knows there's so many. You know, how many comic books are there? Um, but yeah. that being said, I, I just don't know how you even approach it you know i mean it got trashed and here ultimately i think this comes down to uh dc i mean dc can't seem to uh, get it together just the two those two letters together just make me want to be sick in my mouth at the moment <laughs> with everything that's going on with this justice league and god no oh god help god help us yeah Madness. i mean <laughs> What can we do? They they came out with what do you want to do? You want to do the uh the video game one? We could do Green Lantern Rise of the Manhunters. You know, what what's the what's the sequel like? Listen, I, we can take any of the books, right? We could take any of the books and we could turn it into uh a, a sequel, I guess. But oh, and there was a canceled sequel, right? So uh I guess in 2010, Martin Campbell confirmed the possibility of a trilogy, and then I think they saw the uh reception and the box office thing and uh they commissioned a script from Berlanti for the sequel and um, uh, while the filming was underway, because I guess they thought it was going to be a big hit. And then I think they were like, no, no, no. Just everybody listen, slow, listen. slow your roll. You know? Sure. And, and I so, don't think, I, mean, yeah. I was going to say, I think a lot of people's perception, and I think that it might be the perception of this, that a sequel might be, just might be the polished for the turd. But we all know you can't <laughs> polish a turd. So if the if the first one is terrible, don't try and think that a sequel on top of that is going to maybe you know show it some some justice because it won't. Uh, we all know that a sequel can't even live up to the original. So imagine a sequel to Green Lantern. Oh god, you know, I just don't think that people should 
to, to see sequels as a redeeming feature for a terrible first movie. It's not the polish to the turd. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with a no thumbs down on this one. Yeah, totally right. agree. We agree on thumbs this again. Down. We're agreeing today, <laughs> Keith, Andrew. It's a, it's a rare day. Okay, okay, so let's do another one. Here we go. Don't worry, babes. I have How a feeling we a will proper be proper Pacific Rim sequel. <laughs> Uprising was just garbage. But what did he say? I missed proper, it. I was too busy. <laughs> I was too busy listening Pacific, to you. Sorry. I know. I, I have that. Oh, Pacific I, I Rim? Um, Pacific Rim. A proper Pacific Rim sequel because he said that Uprising was terrible. Well, that doesn't lead to a good idea. You know, like, no, I mean, like if, if Uprising, they did it, right? Isn't Uprising the sequel? Yeah, but he obviously our lovely listener didn't like it, so he wants them to do it again. To try again, please. Yeah. It's like all those people <laughs> campaigning to remake the final season of Game of Thrones. He's like, no, it didn't like it. Try again. Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, what's his name? Charlie Hunnam, right? He was in the original. He didn't come back. That's all. We, what do we say nope. about these things? You know, if, if we don't have any of the original people, second of all, you got that 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 Scott Eastwood kid who's just, I mean. He's just terrible. He, he, I haven't ever yeah. seen. The only good thing was Charlie Day came back, but it just didn't work on any level. So where do you go? Like, what do you do? Do you? And what does that mean? You know, if there's already a sequel, how do you do a sequel? Yeah, I got to go thumbs down on it. Again, not trying to poo-poo you, but I don't see it. I don't know how you even approach it. What do you think, Keith? I liked the first one. Um, I probably watched maybe five, ten minutes of the second one before I realized that there was some paint drying uh, in my kitchen. <laughs> so I went and watched that instead. It was dull. It was really dull. Very boring. Um, the effects again. I mean, the I know that it was a, um, an overly CGI original film, but I thought that the the action in it was quite engaging. I liked the story. Um, you know, it was... You know, filling in that gap when we didn't have the Godzilla and the King Kong, and um, it was sort of filling that gap for me. But the sequel was just—I—I I, I just couldn't watch more than ten minutes. It was just unpalatable. Yep, I agree. It got a forty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and let's just be clear—they shot this thing for two hundred and thirty point nine million. It made two hundred and ninety oh. worldwide. What were we gonna say, Keith? Ooh, that's bad. Oh, it's very bad. It would have had to. It would have had to gross three hundred and fifty million just to break even. Let's just be really clear about that. Oh my god! But it makes me sweat. And the reason why it makes me sweat is because <laughs> there are so many scripts out there, like projects that are sitting on desks as we speak, that are from new writers or you know really good sort of independent films that would would just kill for the point nine to get made. Do you know what I mean? And then you have a piece of trash like Pacific Re Uprising yeah. that just gets it. And it's just so frustrating, but it does, it, it upsets me. Well, but, um, here's what we do yeah. know. Um, and I don't know what's happening to it, but uh, in 2018, Netflix, uh, Netflix announced Pacific Rim, the black, which would be an original anime series that'll expand on the story of the first two. And just, uh, previous to that in 2017, uh, five months before the second, you know, the sequel's release, uh, they canceled the shit out of any possibility of a sequel. 
<laughs> they okay. were like, this isn't happening. They were probably testing it. They're like, uh, you know, uh, Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro produced it, but wasn't in it. Uh, you know, this is just crap across the board. So I, I don't know. I don't know. How, again, I'm with you. I don't know how we approach this, Keith, to get back into this, you know? Yeah, I just think leave it alone. You know, let us deal with this genre now with the upcoming Godzilla versus Kong. You know, let them take part of it. I understand that people like smashy, smashy robots. Uh, but mm -hmm. if, if Transformers is anything to go by, smashy, smashy robots are terrible. Like, they're just terrible. Nobody likes it. But, um, yeah, Pacific Rim Uprising, uh, no, yeah. not for me. And it would be We're a thumbs down, thumbs down. For, yep. Yeah. But an animated series, I wouldn't be too sad about that. I quite like yeah. that, actually. Yeah, I kind of wonder what happened. Um, I, I, it was supposed to get a 2020 release, and now they're saying a 21 release window was revealed, and a second season was greenlit. So this thing's happening. So you know, you're kind of okay. getting your cake and eating it too, in a way. Uh, who, who was our listener who said this? I, now I forget. This is what happens. Oh, me too. Yeah, Bear but with. whoever Bear you are, with. no disrespect. You're getting your cake to eat and eating it too. You're going to get your anime for two seasons on this, and. Um, what, uh, Greg Johnson and uh, Marvel Comics writer Craig Kyle are serving as the showrunners. So maybe we'll see something good here. And uh, it's based on Pacific Rim by Guillermo del Toro, but that's his only involvement. All right, let's let's uh, let's do another yeah. one. What do you say, Keith? Absolutely. Okay. Here we go. Speaking of, where's my old yeller too? The Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not... I love Jason. He's stolen my, he's stolen my phrase. I, I think he, he drafted it off. He drafted it off of you. Yeah, if you <laughs> old yeller something, that pretty just means, you know, take it out back and show it the mercy that it means. That is that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. First of all, if you're not following Starburns Audio, uh, Go follow Starburns Radio. I think no, yeah, everyone on stereo is probably following him by now. But Jason Smith is one of the best people out there. Follow him, and uh, you'll be alerted of his talks. And by the way, follow Keith Andrew twenty twenty. Just click the little follow button. Follow me. You'll get notified of our talks. And in continuation, I don't know what do you do. How do you recast all Yeller? I mean, what happens? Is it the aftermath <laughs> of uh, PD shooting him? What's the kid's name that shot him? You know, is it like is it like did, ten years later? See him full. Did we see him fall? Did we see him buried? I don't think, I mean, <laughs> zombie yeller? Is that a thing? That could be quite interesting. Well, Maybe think... he buried him in Pet Cemetery. What about Savage <laughs> Sam? I thought that was the uh, yes. that was the sequel, right? Was Savage Sam? It was the sequel to the '62 novel, and uh, Norman Tokar directed this. Uh, the the film was live action, and it did not enjoy the success of the first <laughs> Savage <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Yeah, and it was Tommy. It's it, it was Tommy. I was right. In 1870, an 18-year-old Travis Coates. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Tommy Kirk is the actor. <laughs> Travis was the kid's name. Is left in charge of his precocious brother, uh, Arliss, on the family farm in southwest Texas while the parents are visiting a sick grandma. And uh, Arliss and his dog. Look, if you name a dog Savage Sam, you're looking for trouble. Absolutely. I mean, saying. that dog is going to like literally remove limbs with a name like yeah, that. Yeah, they're tracking a bobcat. 
Yeah, right. And by the way, they're tracking a bobcat. And and I, I just want to be clear, the 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 if you look at the and this is I mean it's so bad, but it's hysterical. If you look at the poster, um uh Travis is holding the uh barrel of his shotgun like he's about to smack um uh the new old yeller Savage Sam in the back of the skull. I mean, this thing is like ill-conceived on <laughs> yeah, I swear on every level. So, Jason, thank you for bringing this up. And and not only do we have bobcats, uh, Travis is warned to, that renegade Apaches are in the area. And then he joins Bud's seventeen-year-old daughter because they need a love interest. And in a search for their little for his little brother Alice, they're all captured by a band of Apaches led by a Comanche. I thought Comanche and Apaches aren't they different? I, this thing's a mess. I don't know. I, if I was this doing a it, train. It does sound like a fever dream. And if I was doing the sequel to Old Yeller, <laughs> I would pick up Travis at like, you know, 28 years old and his whole life is in ruins because he had to shoot that dog. Yeah, I, I agree. And there'd I be agree. no and dog involved whatsoever. It would be a fight with his new wife of why he can't get a dog and he won't talk about it. And he's miserable at work. <laughs> and, and then maybe he turns into a serial killer. That's oh interesting. This is all Let's come from that. Old Yeller. Oh, my Let's word. Pitch Let's pitch that, definitely. Yeah. But, um, Jason, great yeah. stuff. Look what you did, Jason. <laughs> I mean, we're going to go We're gonna go thumbs. Is, I kind of want to go thumbs up because there's so, there's so many interesting ways to go, and Savage Sam was not one of them. No, I do think that, um, if we had a flashback and Old Yeller was being, you know, the body was being dragged over, you know, across the road into a little sign that says pet cemetery and he starts to dig throws old yeller in three days later i just think that'd be a really good story by the way no? i really like that i really <laughs> like this yeah <laughs> there's nothing about it i don't like so so i'm gonna go with if we're, if, we're, if we're coming up with this new idea i'm going thumbs up on a an old yeller sequel thumbs up okay why do I feel that Cliff Dorfman's going to be making a phone call on Monday? <laughs> there it is. You worked it in. You worked, I worked it, it in, in every week. I'll get it in there. Don't you worry. Oh, right. Cliff, not old yellers. <laughs> 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 oh, I love that. I'm going to start using that now. That person needs to be old yellered. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's roll through oh, next one. That's a good one line. That's a good line, Keith. I think we got to trademark that. Thank you. I wouldn't mind a See sequel to Shane's Black, The Nice Guys. I yes. think that movie was really good, and I feel like you could do a sequel with those two guys. I mean, I know we start getting into uh, uh, Lethal Weapon territory there, but I thought they had a great chemistry. I agree. I love that movie. Mm. And and, yeah, and just I to let you know, as is, of two, go ahead, go ahead. I just want to uh, remember what one that is that the one with um, Ryan oh, Gosling, Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe. That's the one. Yeah, I have seen it. I have seen it. Yeah, I really liked it. I really liked their chemistry. And according to Shane Black, he would actually love to make a sequel, though he admits it's fairly unlikely. Um, he says in a heartbeat, I'm quoting him from cinema blend in a heartbeat. If someone would pay for it, we had all kinds of ideas. The problem is, and here we go, Keith, it didn't do that well uh -oh. at the box office. I imagine it will break even, which is not a formula for reacquiring two very expensive movie stars and proceeding with the sequel. How about this? A series, a series. Oh, that could work. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, 50, 50, <laughs> budget was 50 million, box office 62.8. So, yeah, not great. Not great return there. Wait, I'm going to cut you off for a second because everyone who's sticking around, because we got a big boost, I saw, and all the people who are staying in with us, we love you. And thank you for staying in with us and listening. And do us a favor. Follow Keith Andrew 2020. Just click the little follow button. Follow me, Cliff Dorfman. It'll notify you of our talks, and we want to be involved with you. So this is a bunch of people that we haven't seen before, and we just want to say welcome. Thank you for sticking around. We hope we can maintain your interest. And if we do, just, just, just click follow. Just click follow for both of us and we'll be forever <laughs> grateful. We really will. And we'll keep Love doing this. Love a cheeky follow. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, I mean, what other show on stereo right now is talking about the creme de la creme of movie sequels with a Brit and a Yank? And there's no show. There's no such no show. Just, I don't think no anywhere show. in the world. So how lucky are you? <laughs> I think we're both lucky and we're lucky for the stereo community. So we just really want to again say thank you. We appreciate all of you. And uh, we're getting back to this, mm -hmm. by the way, 92% positive rating on the nice guys on rotten tomatoes, but it only grows 62 million. Again, this is, it. it's all dollars yeah. and cents and it doesn't make sense for them, but I am going with like, they did the lethal weapon, you know, uh, series. I say the nice guys, yeah. the series. No, they can't. Not, not, not okay. for a series, for sure. <laughs> like, Though I would give anything to Cliff, see the movie. Cliff, what? They, what? Could, they could get Russell Crowe. Come on. Okay, you're not wrong. <laughs> get... Did you see Unhinged? <laughs> did anyone, um, did anyone uh, yeah, see Unhinged? I didn't, I didn't. I mean, it was the only film playing at our local cinema because obviously of COVID. So everybody in my hometown saw Unhinged because they had no choice. But um, was it any good? Yeah, I, I, I no, I, I watched it at home uh, again. It was I started watching it. it was quite engaged in the beginning, but by sort of 20, 25 minutes, I was uh, I was cleaning the house. I was uh, I was doing something else. So, uh, right, so we can yeah, get not Russell Crowe, but we can't get uh, <laughs> we can't get no, we won't get the I know, but here's the thing: but maybe just, enough people know. find this movie later, you know, like now, and 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 there gets to be a, sort of a groundswell, and because it really was a great movie. And anyone who hasn't watched The Nice Guys, check it out. Let us know what you think, because I, I I loved it, I, and I really did love their chemistry. And yeah. Shane Black, you yeah, know, it's a absolutely. great movie. Yeah, I just I just still haven't forgiven Crow for Lamez. Just saying. Oh. <laughs> that's crow yeah no, that's fine we can give you that but shane black knows how to write a movie this guy i mean look what he did yeah yeah Iron no Man. i completely I mean, agree shane Black's great mm -hmm. yeah totally agree with you All right, um script's one, great Keith. oh i'm sorry i thought we were done because i said so <laughs> it was a joke <laughs> it was just a joke Keith. It did. No. let's do it i'm pressing i'm pressing play Here i would go. really be into a sequel to rushmore actually i think that would be a fun kind mm. of revisiting not necessarily of the school as it exists but of the bill mary character and the jason Schwartzman character as they have grown up and out of that and seen maybe uh a new a new version of that kid kind of coming up i don't know listen jason's mm. on fire today if you're not following starburns audio already you should be following him right now uh he's on fire that's three right now old yeller the nice guys and now he's saying rushmore I I'll watch anything Wes Anderson does. He made that movie for $10 million. Bill Murray, I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. 
I don't know what it would Love be. Love that film. But if if Wes Anderson did it, I feel like it would be amazing. Oh, absolutely. I loved that film. That was probably probably my first experience of Wes Anderson, I hope to believe. And obviously, he sort of drifted into the back of my mind slightly. Then um, my one of my favourite films of all time, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I'm just throwing it out there. I think there should be a sequel to. Um, but yeah, Rushmore, absolutely. Again, I think it's too much time has passed. But that might be actually a benefit that time has passed and that we could go back and visit those characters a little bit later on. Well, let me give you a little uh, quote. When Wes Anderson was at South by Southwest, he appeared in a rare appearance with, with Jason Schwartzman. And he during the Q&A, Anderson was asked by an audience member if he'd ever consider making a sequel to any of his films. And in response, Anderson reflected on his work with Jason Schwartzman. I'm getting this from the uh all review. I guess it's Australian review. So he reflected on his work with Jason Schwartzman and said, if he ever did a sequel, he's the person I'd want to do a sequel with. With that in mind, he pointed to Rushmore and the Darjeeling, uh, the Darjeeling Limited as the two films he considered. So by the way, Jason Smith, Starburns Audio, you're thinking the exact same as a genius as Wes Anderson. Out of all his movies, those are the only two he would consider doing. I think that's pretty great. Ah, no fantastic Mr. Fox. That's disappointing. But you love that? Yeah, love Rushmore. That good. Oh, I do love that film. I just wanna I think it's one of the best animated films ever made and very underrated, which makes me sad. Um yeah, I can't wait to show my nephew that film. My nephew, you know, is watching Star Wars at the moment to to pry him away from uh, anything that is uh, animated that doesn't involve a lightsaber is impossible. But hopefully at some point I will be able to do it. But yeah, I love Fantastic. Wes Anderson's a genius. He really is. Yeah, Genius, genius, He's genius. And, and to quote Schwartzman, he says, it can be nervous when you meet someone for the first time and work with someone for the first time. Now we get to the work so much quicker. We know each other so well. He's my mentor and my dearest friend. Oh, I'm going to cry. Oh, I know, right? That and that's why is... we get such great work from them. Yeah, they're a, a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Mm. And they love each love other. That. You know, they trust each other. They yeah. love each other. So they, there's a freedom to create in a manner that maybe a lot of people don't have without that relationship. Yeah. You know, why do you think Scorsese yeah, keeps working with Leo? You know, I mean, you know, look at look at all the things they can do together. If you look at the aviator and then you look at the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, you see the the difference in how he's soared. And, and you know, and look at what Scorsese did with De Niro. It's the same thing. Oliver Stone did it with his actors. He liked to work with a troop of people. Paul Anderson likes to do it also. And I think this is what you get from it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. When you find someone that you're so comfortable with, and not only that, but that objectively looks at your creativity and tunes in to exactly what you want. You know, that's probably why, again, going back to like Lynch, you know, Lynch likes working with the same people, you know, like Laura Dern, you know, he's, um, he loves that because he knows that they have the same vision as him. They can see what he's trying to do. No matter how outlandish it, it may seem to them when they're actually filming the thing, they can right. see how it's going to sort of transcribe onto the screen. And I love that. And, and I um, think it's also about yeah. trust. You know, you have to trust the actors have mm -hmm. to trust the director and the director has to know that if I tell the actor to do something, they're just going to fucking do it. 
and they're going to give me their best shot at it. And when an actor is not comfortable or doesn't know a director that well, they might give their best shot, but it's not going to be as open, you know, as you would be if you're at your best friend's house and you're like, oh, this is how the imitation would go. This is how the thing would be. And you're going to do the goofiest thing ever because you're not worried about being embarrassed or, you know, shamed or, or whatever. So, yeah, I, it, it, everything you said and, and trust and, and the ability to uh, fall on your face with no repercussions. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. Hyundai oh, P, Jason right, I'm going to hit another one. It. Go, go, go. He is. I think he's got some more in here as well, so let's go. I'm just going to keep giving you comedies. Paul oh, yes. Feige's Spy yeah. was awesome. I don't know why they haven't made a second one with mm. Melissa McCarthy. It's very funny. Come on, give me Spy too. Uh, by the way, again, I, I'd spy. Like, I loved it. I yeah. loved it, and... I want to see it immediately. Now, we can talk about why Paul... Is it Feige? Is that how you pronounce it? Feige? Did you hear my voice there? I sound like a 13-year-old going through puberty. <laughs> Every dog in the within 10-mile radius just picked up his ears. <laughs> now, let's just be... <laughs> You're not wrong. Feige? The film was a hit. It grows $235 million worldwide. It was shot to $65 million. And immediately, of course, everyone's asking for a sequel, right? And, and by the way, how, I don't say this very often, especially in a sentence with these words grouped together, but how great was Jason Statham? Yeah, I mean, I love <laughs> uh, the fact that he took that risk and did like a proper full-on comedy, and it really worked out for him. He was great. Really so great. Here, Here's what Feige's, or Feige said when he appeared on Josh Horowitz's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. Uh, he asked Paul why a sequel hasn't happened, and uh, Paul gave him this, this, uh, this answer. They're on, talking about 20th Century Fox, he says they're on the third Kingsman movie. I love the Kingsman movies. That's the same studio. They made more money than we did, but we did, we, but we did not make money. We made pretty good money. We made $235 million worldwide. That's pretty good on a $65 million budget. You always wish it was higher, but yeah, they just didn't want to do it. And now the moment may be passed. I don't know, but I'm really proud of it. And he even talks about, he already knows how Spy 2 would open, suggesting that coming up with the story isn't the problem. He says, I'm very excited about how it'll start. I have the greatest setup in the world for this movie. The moment hasn't passed. Let's do it. I want to see it. That's a yeah. huge thumbs up from me. Plus, I think that maybe he um, got bogged down slightly because then obviously he went on to make Ghostbusters. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, he's one I'm of the pausing. best. One of the biggest. I'm pausing for your um, I'm pausing I'm not, for I'm your reaction. It. I'm not doing it. No, oh. I'm not doing it. It's oh, okay. Sucked. <laughs> it sucked. I couldn't help it. It came out. It was like Tourette's. I, I really yeah, can't. I would, uh, no offense. I can't use Tourette's. I have to apologize. I don't want to make light of any disease. I really, with much respect, I, I know in the old days I could do that. And uh, it wasn't right then. But, you know, now I've learned that it isn't right. So I just want to say, not cool. Not going to do that again. I, that being said, I couldn't I, I stop it. Say, yeah. Yeah. I just want to say, though, I, I dropped that bomb and ran from my phone. I went Ghostbusters <laughs> and ran and hid behind a pillow waiting for it. But it wasn't as bad as I thought. It wasn't as bad as I thought. There was no obscenities. I was quite, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of you. Yeah. I, I thought just, it was going to be a It just didn't work. It just didn't work. No. You know, I think that was the problem. It just, you know, you're trying to, when you get into a space where you're trying to take, you know, something that is pure 
comic genius in a moment in time where it just can't be reinvented, no matter how good everyone is. Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and, you know, and, and Paul Feig or Fee, you can't, you know, you, you just can't. <laughs> You can't you can't recreate that. You get Bill Murray, you know, I mean, Dan, I, that's impossible to do. Even if it's with the funniest people, women, men alive, you know, I don't care who you put mm -hmm. in that. That movie's not going to work. And I think they were asking for trouble getting into that scenario. They should have just made Spy 2. Couldn't agree more with Starburn's audio. Yeah, but the, and also you have what I see as an improvised comedy, which I really feel like Ghostbusters is, if you watch Ghostbusters, and I've seen it a couple of times, I don't like it, don't get me wrong, but I have entertained it a couple of times when it's been on the TV. And mm. it's an improvised comedy. You watch it, those scenes, those one-liners, the zingers that are coming from everybody. You know, there's a basic script, but then there's like really good one-liners in there that are obviously improvised. Why does it have to be Ghostbusters? Why couldn't they have created something else? They did spy, they did the spy genre. Why couldn't they have created like a supernatural comedy but not have labelled it with Ghostbusters because that was its downfall. Once you slap that name on something, it's recognisable, right. it's well-loved. You know, you have people, again, we've said before that sex and nostalgia sells. I understand that completely. But when you're going so different, why do you have to use Ghostbusters? Why can't you create your own thing like he did with Spy and have it, you know, it, it baffles me that he did that, really, because they could have done something really special if it had been its own standalone thing and probably would have been really successful and would have had a sequel. Yeah, brand new franchise, you know, but it's all about the money, money, yeah. money, money. And you know how much they offered him for that. Can't even imagine. You can't turn it down. You know, I mean, who's a, I don't know what they uh, offered him, but whatever it was, you can't turn it down. Yeah, and then those cameos. I mean, Bill Murray wouldn't come back and do Ghostbusters 3, but he did that? Can you explain that to me? No, but I mean, I can't explain anything Bill Murray does. He's just a weird genius, you know? <laughs> what, what, right? Are you excited about Ghostbusters after, Aftermath or Aftermath? Um, is it... Uh, I don't know. Are you? What do you think? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I really I don't, am excited about it. I, really? I, I, you know, it's the son, the son of the original uh, director is coming in. Um, I think that having it done as a sort of, um, oh god, I think I feel like I'm going to say this and you're going to shout at me, but sort of like a Stranger Things sort of element brought in where it focuses more on the young people. It's a generational thing. You know, there's loads of nods even in the trailer. There's like so many nods to the original. Is it going to be as good as the original? No, because you can't beat those two movies. And yes, and if anyone out there is about to go two movies, I do like Ghostbusters 2. Leave me alone. Um, and I, but I think that after my, aftermath or aftermath or afterlife, what am I talking about? It's afterlife, isn't it? I think that um, that will, um, I think it'll be a, a fan pleaser. I think it'll be fan wank. Yes, of course, it will be fan wank. But I do think there is something in there that, um, is going to be enjoyable. And I don't think it's going to be as bad as the uh, the previous Ghostbuster movie. Well, nothing can be as bad as the previous Ghostbuster movie. But See, I, I agree personally am looking forward to it. Yeah. Look, I, I, I agree I'm looking with forward that. To it. Um, I still want to know what Paul Feig got offered. I know Melissa McCarthy got uh, $14 million. 
Oh, 10 million. 14. He got he got 10 million. Ten. Yeah, according to Cinema Blend, he got 10 million dollars. Oh, do you know what? Like I know I mean, I'm I'm not well off in the slightest, but that doesn't seem like very much. I mean, listen, especially I, after I, you chop up the naive? pie. Well, well, let's be clear. He makes 10 million salary, right? So you chop up the pie. So you're taking home five, maybe 4.5 when it's all said and done. You get your lawyer, your agent, your manager, and taxes. Now, he takes home 4.5. It takes a year of his life. So you're making about, you know, four and a half million a year, but it's the residuals and whatever his back end is, which I guarantee you he had a nice, you know, piece of the back end to some degree. So you could probably add another 10 or 15, you know, $10 million onto that when this thing comes out, even as a bomb. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. When you say it like that, obviously, if he's getting those residuals as well, then yeah, yeah but. Yeah, feel, yeah, I it's mean, not as much money as you think it would be, you know, to do that. Nah. Hmm. I mean, I, I watched it with my sister at the cinema and um, we walked out uh, about 15 minutes after leaving the cinema. We went, what film did we watch? Oh, Ghostbusters. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you went and watched it again. That's how memorable it was. Yeah. And then you went and watched it again. Well, so <laughs> I, I say I say no to you, Keith Andrew. All right, let's do another one. <laughs> Shall we? Let's we get go. it. Absolutely. You guys probably don't, probably too young to know this. I'm an OG. Um, <laughs> a long time ago, a long time ago, there was a movie called Master of the Universe. Master oh of the Universe is a was a uh, cartoon slash uh, toys. It was toys first, and that turned into a cartoon to sell more toys. But anyways, Master of the Universe uh, caught fire. It was um, um, starring this guy named uh, Prince Adam, who uh, moonlighted as He-Man, the strongest man in the universe. Uh, with that said, they came out with a movie with uh, Dolph Lundgren, I believe his name is. Uh, and at the end of the movie, it was an Easter egg of the main villain still being alive, but no sequel to follow up on yeah, I know the movie well. You know, Dolph Lundgren, Frank Langella, my dear friend Courtney Cox, and uh, who I love, and uh, Ed Pressman produced it, who I worked with writing The Crow. Um, you know, I have, I have two nouns for you as to why that movie didn't get remade. Uh, her sequel is Dolph Lundgren. I mean, he was flying off the back of uh, Rocky at the time, and it was 87 when it came out. So, you know, and then mm-hmm. it just, it was so bad. That's the problem. It was so, so bad. I mean, what did, did you see it, Keith? Did I? My brother is um, <laughs> seven years older than me. La- had all the He-Man figures. Uh, I had all the hand-me-downs, and um, I remember like we used to get it out from the like the local shop um, in the early ninety. Well, it must have been sort of ninety-five, ninety-six. And uh, I actually have a very quick story that my yeah, give it. my this just tells you the parenting skills of my father were awful because um, <laughs> he was sent off down to the uh, blockbuster to collect the um, the copy of Masters of the Universe for me and my brother to watch. Um, came back saying, "I'm afraid that the copy that they had is out at the moment, but I've brought back a film which will be equally as enjoyable for you." And he'd brought back Fritters. <laughs> I was five years old. 
I mean, I kind of so, love your dad. I'm not going to lie. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I got not through the first five minutes until you saw the little red eyes through the kitchen window. And I was like, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. There's no way. But there's a Look, really great documentary uh, called uh-huh. Electric Boogaloo. Um, and oh, it's yeah, the untold it. story of, Ca- of Canon Films. It's one of my favorite documentaries about film uh, film companies ever. It's so good. If any of you... Um, listeners haven't watched it electric boogaloo the wild untold story of canon films and they actually talk a little bit don't they about um why the sequel to masters of the universe wasn't wasn't made and it's such a weird like roller coaster ride of you know like money and you know they did put that like the easter egg like our listeners said about um frank langella like pops up out of the water at the end of skeletor and goes i'll be back and you're like okay it's just t- completely taken me out of the, uh, the dramatic tension that you'd created there, uh, Frank. <laughs> but thanks for that. Um, I'll be back. It was after back. the Terminator, He's... though. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, they, they, there was going to be a sequel to it. And then like the budget was something like well, 4.5 million. They had like no money. Yeah, yeah, they called it Masters of the they... Universe 2, Cyborg, and it was written, and it, uh, according to Wikipedia, the script followed He-Man, who returned to Earth to battle Skeletor, who had left Earth as a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and the film was to feature Trapjaw and She-Ra. Pro-surfer Laird Hamilton oh, wow. was going to replace Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, which actually would have been pretty fucking cool. And the only aspect yeah. known about the sequel screenplay was that He-Man would have returned to Earth to... Oh God! Disguised as a professional quarterback, and so that that happened, or didn't happen. And with the low budget, they were talking about four and a half million. It was going to be directed by this guy Albert Pyun, and uh, consecutively with the aborted Spider-Man movie, the project was abandoned when Canon would not pay Mattel's fees. And the production instead uh, utilized the already made costumes and sets for the low budget sci-fi film Cyborg. They're like, let's just take all the sets and costumes, write something quick. Cyborg. Well, that was sort of um, Canon's MO, wasn't it, at the time? Just like make a piece of crap really quick with as low low budget as possible and get it out there. That was literally Canon were just like churning films out. I think I think in the documentary they say that they had 90 film projects going on at the same time at one point and you just like yeah, it was like but, trauma films uh, very... it's like lloyd kaufman and yeah. trauma yeah, yeah i mean and then, i mean it's such a fascinating story and canon you know whenever you used to when you were younger and you used to see a canon logo come up before a film you knew you were in for some trash some fun <laughs> yes trash. and here's how i'll here's my answer to your thought good body about the uh sequel to uh Masters of the Universe, I will quote Skeletor as he questions He-Man. Tell me about the loneliness of good, He-Man. Is it equal to the loneliness of evil? And thumbs down. <laughs> oh, do you know? No, I'm, what do you I'm got? Gonna go you going to go thumbs up? Si- I'm going, no, I'm going with thumbs sideways. Because Interesting. from what you were describing about uh, Trapjaw and She-Ra coming back, that would have been awesome. I wonder who would have played Shira. That would have been that would have been really cool. And um, but that's where could, my thumb goes move. up. But my... I could move to thumb sideways with you, Keith. I, I hear what you're saying. I could. I could move to a thumb sideways. 
what I didn't understand was why would he have to dis- um, to disguise himself as a professional quarterback if Earth was a post-apocalyptic wasteland? <laughs> Don't infuse logic. What, what was the need for a quarterback if it was apocalyptic wasteland? I'm not entirely on board with what's going on there. But um, America. Okay. America. <laughs> Football. America. <laughs> Very That's confusing, why. but That's um, why. America. yeah, America, well, right. yeah. football, um, America, yeah, quarterbacks. <laughs> but I'm only fun sideways because I would have been interested to see how they would have incorporated uh, She-Ra into the story and who would have played her because She-Ra was like ultimately like my favorite when I was a kid. Love oh, She-Ra yeah, too. She-Ra. I love She-Ra too in the cartoon. So cool. Yeah. All right, let's do another one. Scott Pilgrim versus Hit the it. World. Yes. Uh, that's, if there's oh. if there's a movie ever built for a sequel, it's that one. Um, even though nobody watched it, it was great. I watched it. I watched it about five times, and also with Jason Schwartzman. So so Starburns Audio is on a trend here. I'm seeing the Jason Schwartzman. Mm-hmm. He did Rushmore. He I haven't had one that I haven't loved. He hasn't had one I haven't loved so far. How about you? Did you like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? Yeah, that was like the cool film to be like to quote and. To really get on board with when I was like, I think it was like last days of high school, like college, like everybody loved that movie. And it was such a blast. Um, Edgar Wright, am I right? Yeah, Edgar Wright. You Edgar are right, right. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Edgar Michael Wright, Sarah. Right. But- no, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, I've watched that movie at least five times. Uh, Jason, I, I think you're so freaking on point with this. Uh, go on, Keith. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say that um, I'm quite surprised because... You know, the the sort of comic book style, but sort of original story um, was, you know, very popular around that time as well. I think it was around the same time as I want to say Kick-Ass came out. Like, is that a similar sort of time period? Um, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like it is. Yeah, got, did very well and got a sequel. So I'm quite surprised that Scott Pilgrim didn't. I'm wondering if there was um, any reasons there or... Well, it was what, what, popular. It was. I remember it being a very popular film. Well, what we get um, in uh, 2020 um, in Games Radar, uh, what what has been said is that Edgar Wright has revealed that he's in the tentative stages of planning a new, possibly animated project with the original material, though a big screen sequel is unlikely. And to quote him, he says, "There's some plans, and there's nothing official yet." but there are some plans to revisit the material in an animation way, Wright told EW. He says, we've been talking with the creator, Brian, you know, Leo Malley, and with the executive producer, Jared uh, LaBeouf, for a while about, like, what if we did something with the books in anime form, and it's being discussed as we speak, though O'Malley is also ruminating Mm. over picking up a pen and paper again and revisiting Pilgrim, Ramona Flowers, and the rest of them. Uh, So I don't know why. He says he'd like to revisit the characters in comic form and see what they're up to, he says he sketched Scott early in the pandemic with a huge beard. I think that would be a funny image, he teased. But don't get your hopes up about it coming yeah. to cinemas, and especially not a no. Scott Pilgrim cinematic universe. No, and I've just looked at the, the budget and the box office, and there's absolutely no way. 85 million budget, 48.1 million box office. Yeah, that's not happening, unfortunately. It's all these great movies, and they're not seen at the box office. But I, Scott Pilgrim is a cult film. 
without a doubt. People love that movie. Everyone yeah. I talk to that I respect loves that movie. There's something genius about it. And obviously, yeah. Edgar Wright was a, a budding genius because look at what he's given us since. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Everybody that I remember going around like people's houses, everyone had a DVD copy of Scott Pilgrim. You know? So it was mm-hmm. definitely um, a film that became popular with uh, home viewing, not necessarily... I think maybe people didn't know what it was or... Maybe there was something up against it that maybe put people off from seeing it at the cinema. But yeah, I mean, everyone I remember was a huge Scott Pilgrim fan. I'm, I, I literally, my jaw hit the floor just now when I looked at the um, the box office. I was like, what? Right. And to quote Michael Sarah, saw that film. He said, I don't think a sequel is a reality in my limited understanding. Of course, he says my limited understanding of the film industry. When a movie doesn't really explode at the box office, it's hard for anybody to get behind a sequel. End quote. Michael Sarah. I love how he says my limited understanding. Like, do more movies and TV, you funny dude. Yeah. I love that guy. I just love that guy. In the end, what's yeah. ever bad about Michael Sarah? Rest of development. Like, please just do everything. I fucking love him. Yeah, me too. Well, you know, I love his uh, his turn in um, Twin Peaks: uh, The Return. You just love anything. As, uh, Lu- Lucy's, you know, <laughs> Lucy's son playing it like Marlon Brando, just brilliant. Yeah, anything in in genius. Twin Peaks, though, you love. That's just fair to say. Of course, of course, right. I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Should we do another one, Keith? Absolutely. Let's do. It. I also think Waterworld. Was a great fucking movie. Probably Kevin Costner's best work. Don't mean to be a jerk. But it's probably because he had only like seven lines. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Thanks for the irony. Thanks, mate. We, yeah. we're not, I, I can't even answer that. I'm just too busy laughing. No. <laughs> there, I got it out. No. 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 Yeah, Mitch did message me that earlier on um on Instagram and I was gonna bring that up, Waterworld, but I didn't quite know how it would go down. Um well you, he did it perfectly pun. right here. <laughs> yeah. By the way, anyone who wants so to give water- us uh, musical reasons as to why sequels should happen, we're totally into it. Oh yeah, I love that. Mitch is very talented. Nice guy, Honestly. very, very talented. Um, so Waterworld, you wouldn't want to see. You you you're, you're uh, kidding right now? <laughs> Are you kidding right now? I mean, it bombed literally a hundred hundred and seventy five million budget right back in when the nineties. So what ninety five? Wasn't it what, what the most expensive movie ever made up to that point? Uh, I, I want to say it was, yeah. I mean, you know, you have Costner coming off of everything, right? And he already, he won his Best Director uh, Academy Award for Dances with Wolves. I mean, this guy was, yeah. you know, you, it was as hot as fire. It, it, now, remember, this is a budget that ballooned to $175 million in 1990. What, what year was it? 1990? 95. I mean, come on a lot of money 95 and it goes up to 175 million dollars complete flop and 
I don't know. Does anybody like this movie? I mean, Kevin I, did, Reynolds, I the director it when quit. I was younger. He just quit. <laughs> and he left Costner. He's like, you know what? You know what? It was like, it was like, uh, it was like Corona for him. He's like, 2020, you did it to me. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm done with this imagine, fucking business. And Costner stepped in. I can in imagine it was a difficult. I can imagine it was a difficult film, though. Like being stuck in the middle of the ocean to film it. Yeah, but imagine the pitch. It's Mad Max on the water, starring Costner. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm I mean, in. I mean, I just, I'm trying to access my memories on this film because I remember it not being that bad. Was it such a bad film? I, I watched it when I was quite young. What was your opinion? And can I just say something that really makes me laugh? Like, obviously, this film is <laughs> all about laugh. the visuals. Yeah, I'm going to laugh. It's all about laugh. the visuals, yeah. it's They've built this huge set in the middle of the water, yeah. And, right. you, you know, they've got all these actors. Very visual movie. They're in the middle of the, of the sea. Um amazing set spent all this money on effects and everything and it's nominated for an academy award for best sound best sound wow <laughs> best sound. i think that's hilarious <laughs> can you imagine I mean, are, you, are you freaking kidding set me designer? no can you imagine being the set designer having spent all that time and money building an, an on water like city on the water and you know all the like the explosions and the costumes and Costner acting his heart out and it and it's nominated for best sound <laughs> okay well here's what i want to just tell you i took this time just for anyone who's curious 175 million dollars in 1995 do you want to guess what it's worth today what what it would have been inflation was oh, it's I Avengers. It's Avengers Endgame. It's three hundred and four million four hundred and ninety-five thousand three hundred and twenty-four dollars. Three hundred and four million dollars in ninety-five. That's the equivalent, oh. man. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Is that, that not is bananas? Crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Like, who would spend? But as well, this is not like a tried and tested you know, genre or even franchise. It's a standalone movie, you know, that nobody knows whether it's going to be successful or not. So to put that much money on it, do you think that that was uh, not originally supposed to be the budget, but as production went on, they just kept like pumping money into it? Oh, no, it kept, it, it ballooned up. It was definitely not supposed to be uh, $175 million. You know, it, it definitely <sighs> pumped up uh, you know, ballooned up as they were making it. And um, it was, you know, I mean, this is already, imagine they said, okay, well, it's Costner and Reynolds. This is their fourth, um, uh, you know, collaboration. They did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Rapa Nui, mm -hmm. and they did uh, Fandango. I mean, listen, in all fairness, not his best film. So, you know, let's start there. They had Dean Semler, who's great as the DP, and they started at... Um, well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, uh, it's, they say during production it was plagued by a series of cost overruns. So initially it was a hundred million, then mid '94 it went to 135, and then by the final time it was 175 million dollars. And Spielberg, just to be clear, he warned Costner and Reynolds not to film in open water. 
owing to his production with Jaws. He had all those difficulties. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. And and yeah. oddly, Laird Hamilton seems to be a, a recurring theme for us in all of uh, today. Um, so <laughs> this is really funny. It featured different types of personal watercrafts and professional surfer Laird Hamilton, Laird Hamilton was Costner's stunt double for many of the scenes. Oh, my word. Yeah. He's just uh, in everything see, today. He's not messing around. He's the through line. He's the through line of this conversation. He really is. Definitely he is. really is. And he's got a great American Dad episode that rips off Point Break. It's fantastic. <laughs> Do you know what, saying. though? I actually quite yeah. like um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I watched that again at Christmas. It was on TV. And that's not a bad film, you know. And I think, that obviously, that the reason why it became a worldwide smash was because of Brian Adams. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I'm quite surprised they never made a sequel to Robin Hood. You know, I thought that that was a that was a bit um, bit of an odd one because it did do very well at the box office, and and uh, you know, there's a lot of more stories to be told of that legend. So I'm quite surprised they didn't. But that's just I'm just throwing it out there. Well, so well like just that. to end this up, Waterworld was was uh, dubbed as Fishtar or Kevin's Gate. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's alluding to the flops of Ishtar and Heaven's Gate, Michael Cimino's movie that brought down United Artists, which if you don't know about it, you should read the book, uh, Heaven's Gate, which will tell you all about the nonsense Cimino filmed, and he bankrupted an entire studio, and the movie only made $235 million. Did we start this off by the idea of a sequel? Is that Yes, it was a piano-playing sequel idea. So the answer is no. Yes. No. No, no, not even Dennis Hopper could save this disaster. No one's it's saving sunk. this thing, man. But and it's got a forty-six percent <laughs> rating. Yeah, it's sunk. There you go. Let's leave it with that. Let's leave it with that. Let's do another ditty. It's sunk. <laughs> Says Keith Andrews. Here we go. Boom. How do you guys feel? I'm back and forth on this one. Uh, uh, potentially even more meta sequel to Cabin in the Woods, where we explore some different genre tropes. We get more into the whole thing because I don't think the world ended. I think those people just got eaten. Um, I don't remember the end anymore. Maybe it can't have a sequel. If it could, would you? Could you? In a cabin? (laughs) Would you? Could you? In the woods? (laughs) I know. First of all, again, I think he's on point with his ideas. You want to take this one first? I love that film. That is one of me my too. favorite films of probably, oh my God, that, that film to me is like, uh, it, it ties into like sort of a lot of films uh, that I was watching at the time that was sort of breaking down the horror tropes and sort of like watching sort of a horror film played out by, from a different perspective. Um, I really loved that. And I think it's just brilliant. And it came out of nowhere. Do you know what I mean? It really did. You know, A Cabin in the Woods, you see that title, you think, oh, it's going to be, you know, Evil Dead. Here we go again. <clears throat> so inventive. Some of the scenes in it are great. Um, a sequel. Um, you're right that the, uh, the, the demon does break out at the end. And I think it does take over the world. So if you are going to do a sequel, um, it might have to be a prequel, maybe. Could be I post-apocalyptic. Could you know, 
By the way, Jason's very consistent. You know, uh, Drew Goddard directed it, who created Netflix's Daredevil, which Jason just loves. And Goddard Goddard wrote it, and he also wrote it with the little mini douchebag. Actually, he's a major douchebag. He's just a mini man, uh, Josh Whedon. And yes, it's Josh. Uh, It's not Joss. No one names their kid Joss. This this scumbag, it's the only thing I could watch that this scumbag has written. I don't like this guy. I've never liked this guy. I, I've wanted to get in a ring with this guy. I hate this guy. And I, I don't like him as a person, but that's okay. I hate him as an artist. I mean, he ruins everything. This is the only thing, and I feel like it was because of Drew Goddard. I'm going to go with Goddard. Oh, oh, you don't like Buffy? Oh, no. Listen, I know. Don't I know, get me listen. wrong. He's a dick. He's yes. sick. I hate him He's too. Beyond the dick. I, 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 especially over the last like week or a uh, week and a half, you know, when all the Buffy stars have come forward and, and told their truths. And I think yes. that um, he is a vile human being that should never vile. work again and should, should have his name scraped off of any credits that have ever been. Because, you know, Budge, Bu- um, Buffy, sorry, was like a huge part of my childhood growing up. Do you know what I mean? It was massive. It was that show that I snuck upstairs to watch when my parents were like you know washing up because you know <laughs> i was a little bit too young to watch it but i loved it so i i you know and i think that um i think uh sir michelle geller put it perfectly do you know what i mean she's proud to be associated with buffy but not so proud to be associated with uh josh uh Whedon. and that that's how i enjoy that's how i'm going to enjoy buffy from now on in yeah. my life it's all about the characters it's nothing to do about the create him uh creatively but i heard this this uh, yeah i heard this little cunt muscle told elizabeth olsen that she would never wear uh, the wanda costume what yeah yeah you should look that up it's really disgusting this guy i'd really like someone to smack him around just like openly in public that would be a movie i'd like to see uh, not only an original but a sequel to what he the said it in a way that Josh Whedon that she'd never wear the Wanda costume in a way what because uh, he, he like was forbidden he'd enough, make sure or... it never happened like like almost like a, a mustache twirling villain like you'll never work in this town again she he's got her tied to the train uh, tracks or something yeah that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying this yeah. this this little this little de- you know what I don't want to insult douchebags or dicks. Because I really enjoy my dick, and I don't enjoy anything about Josh Whedon. So, but Cabin in the Woods, I, I would love to see a sequel. I love that movie. I think it's what got Chris Hemsworth the role of Thor. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, let's see. I want to quote here: Screen Rant, as revealed by director Drew Goddard last year. The primary reason he and uh, he and he who shall remain nameless haven't penned a sequel is they feel that the ending to the original film was perfect. It's like what you were saying, how it took over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and uh, I think that, you know, I think yeah, they could do ahead. a prequel. A prequel would be good. Like, because obviously we've got everything that's happening um, going, like it sort of ended the story, but there's so much like about the organization. How was that organization like created? How did they capture all of the creatures? You know, like how does that all work? And 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 if they wanted to do a proper like sequel slash spin-off, they should call it the Merman and have a story about the Merman <laughs> because at the end of the day, yeah. that's a great element to that story that I would really want to watch. I want to know more about the Merman. Definitely. Yeah, and it's hard 
it's hard, like you said, it's hard to write around this, uh, you know, Lovecraftian apocalypse. You know, it's uh, and and listen, I do respect Goddard by for not, you know, wanting to ruin the perfection of Cabin in the Woods, which is really, if you haven't seen this movie, all our listeners, it is it is so imminently watchable, like over and over again, even when you know the ending, it is so cool. Mm -hmm. The movie is so good, it really is, and I was not mm -hmm. expecting to even like it. I was like, I guess I'll watch it. Yeah, it's so mm -hmm. good, and the performances in it like are so fun as well you know it's like you know this is what i say about cabin in the woods and this is how i sell it to people when people are like, oh no it sounds shit like a you know run of the trope horror movie i say watch cabin in the woods because once you've watched it you'll never watch any other horror movie in the same way again by the and, way uh, very that well said keith that really um tickles people's pickles so uh, that's a good way of selling it <laughs> And Bradley Whitford <laughs> is just great in it. I love Bradley oh, Whitford yeah. anyway. Oh, I love Bradley Whitford in almost him. everything. I really do. Yeah. The guy's amazing. So uh, I, I didn't love yeah, him in his new, his new sitcom about the gospel choir that was on this year. And I, but he was still funny. Like, it wasn't a good show, but he like he's always good. Yeah, he, he, he puts everything in it. I mean, I love his... Uh, obviously, I sort of know him... A lot from the West Wing and a Get Out is another film that I like him in. And um oh Handmaid's Tale. I love him in the Handmaid's Tale as well. So loads of stuff that he does. Uh I really enjoy. He's a he's a class act to me, is uh Bradley Whitford. So so how do we how do we fall ending this now? Like I would love to see the sequel, but I kind of agree with the fact that you can't make a sequel, but I would thumbs up a prequel in a second. I would thumbs up a prequel. I would obviously like thumbs down a sequel if they tried to mess with the ending. Right. Like, cause the ending, yeah. I agree. The ending is good. So thumbs up a prequel, yeah. thumbs down a sequel. Right. All right. Let's do another one. Boop. Do you guys think there's going to yeah. be a Beetlejuice sequel? And what do you I guys wish. think about the Beetlejuice sequel? Oh, I wish. Ooh. I wish. I okay. wish. It was actually on my list. That and yeah. Goonies. We're the two top on my list to see sequels to. Yeah. Well, the, the BLG sequel has pretty much gone through the ringer numerous times. Wasn't the original title of the sequel meant to be Beetlejuice um, goes to Hawaii? Wasn't that like pitched? No, come point? on. Is that true? That is true. Look it up. Uh, I mean, Beetlejuice I believe you, but in Hawaii. that's insane. Yeah, Beetlejuice it's goes Hawaiian. You're right. It is true. Yeah. This is yeah. crazy. <laughs> By the way, that would have been awesome. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Give us that. So so it's not going to happen, though. That's really what we're getting down to. Well, you know, brass tacks on here, right? But there was talk again very, very recently, within the last maybe two years, I want to say, of um, Beetlejuice 2. I know that... Um, so, yeah, here it is. So they are, were talking in May May 2016. Burton stated it, it's something I would really like to do uh, with in the right circumstances, but it's one of those films where it has to be right. It's not kind of a movie that cries out for a sequel. It's not the Beetlejuice trilogy. So it's something that if the elements are right, because I do love the character and Michael's amazing at, at that character. So, yeah, we'll see. But there's nothing concrete yet. 
And then did they in, make it into uh, a Broadway played... musical? Is that is, did that happen? Oh, the Broadway musical is absolutely brilliant. I've oh, not wow. seen it. Really? I've only seen clips on YouTube. Yeah, but the music is so tongue in cheek. Um, and like you were saying about you know um, rewatchable movies, I, I've listened to the soundtrack of uh, Beetlejuice the musical over and over and over again. It is so good. And they expand on the story so much as well, which is really funny. And they and they make fun of it. You know, they, there's lines in it that say, "Ah, oh, you know, we're going off piece. We're not we're not sticking to the movie script." You know, they 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 reference that. So um, it's great. It's great. It's really good fun. If anyone hasn't listened to the uh, the Beetlejuice soundtrack, please do because it is so funny. You can listen to it on YouTube, I think. But yeah, um, I, I'm going to listen for sure, and I'm going with a huge oh God, exuberant. Yeah thumbs up on a Beetlejuice uh, sequel, which it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but you never know. No. In October 2017, Mike, uh, I can't pronounce the, the last name, was hired to write the script. And then in April 2019, Warner Brothers uh, stated that the sequel has been shelved. Oh, so that that sucks. Yeah, that yeah, sucks. It doesn't mean they're the, not going to do it, though. You know, the studio no, head true. changes. All of a sudden, they're like, how about a Beetlejuice sequel? Brilliant. <laughs> I used to love the, uh, to the animated series. Do you remember the animated series? Yeah, of course. Listen, I, I love everything love about this. Yeah. Beetlejuice I wish it would happen. That, like you said. I know. I wish it would happen, yeah. Keith. I'm very sad. By the way, yeah. thank you everyone for staying here and who's been with us. I mean, you guys are amazing. Uh, follow Keith Andrew 2020s. Just click the follow button under his name there. And, you know, if you're so inclined, follow me, Cliff Dorp. And just a little follow button. Just beep, just press it. Follow me. And uh, you'll get notified of our talks because we love having you in our discussions. All right. Uh, thank you for the we applause. Do. Whoever's applauding us. We see it. We love you. And we're so appreciative of our entire stereo community. Uh, let's let's do another one. What do you say, Keith? Absolutely. All right. Keith, Jason. you don't have to forgive Russell Crowe for Les Mis. <laughs> I haven't. Um, I have a hard time trusting him. Um, I need a guarantee that he will not sing any future things. But he's a decent, he's a good actor. We can't, we can't, we, we have to let him back into our hearts eventually. Just not the part uh, <laughs> of our heart uh, that fully loves you know, it's he he gets he put a wall around him, put a wall around him, so he can't hurt you. But but let him back in, Keith. Let him back in. Jean Valjean would want you to forgive him. Even Javert would have questionably difficult time holding on to the hate. He would have to jump back into the ocean. Not the part of your heart that fully loves, he said. Don't let him into that part. <laughs> Okay, but on one condition, I'm only what? ever going to watch Gladiator again from now on. I'm not watching anything else he's in. Just Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Maybe... <laughs> Are you not no, entertained? No, I wasn't entertained. As soon as he opened his mouth in Les Mis, like the, literally the squeaky, annoying, what the hell voice came out. And I thought to myself, oh my God, like we're only 20 minutes in of a three and a half hour movie. What is gonna, how can I do this? It was endurance. It was well, would endurance. you rather have him in Le Mis or Emmy Rossum in Phantom of the Opera? Mm. I mean, 
Gerald. Mm. Yeah. That was Gerald, a long pause, Gerald, buddy. Gerard Butler was the phantom in uh, in Joel Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera, weren't he? And that was bad enough. I thought yeah, but wasn't Emmy Rossum the, the girl? Yes. Right. Yes, you're right. Uh, yeah. I'd rather have none. I don't think that I don't think they should make uh, <laughs> movie musicals anymore, apart from West Side Story, and maybe oh. In the Heights. But, but let me that, tell you something, no Rachel more. Zegler. I I think this this woman is such a, I, I don't know how she identifies so i don't want to be you know uh, presumptuous um, i i'm saying woman uh, i i can't check right now how she identifies i follow her on twitter but have you heard her sing have you seen her presence yeah are you yeah you mentioned me? it i think yeah you mentioned i can't remember where it was but you were saying about her her uh, the clip that was released and i listened to it and she's brilliant She's oh, my, oh my Lord. God. Yeah. I mean, the only problem yeah. is the, uh, we talked about this last week is the, um, what's his name? You know, the, uh, Antoine, uh, what's the kid's name who got canceled? Who's playing? Oh God. The, yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Oh, Edgar, 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 whatever his name is. All right. We'll move on. But Rachel Zegler is the Another main one. reason I want to see that. Yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I can't wait to take, my i think i'll take like my mum and my sister to go and watch that on the biggest screen best sound system possible and really enjoy it i think it's going to be glorious but otherwise you say no absolutely not on any musicals nope 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 maybe miss saigon just saying all right so that wasn't really a thumbs up or thumbs down we're just saying um we can let russell hart back into Russell Crowe back into our hearts, just not the part of our heart that fully loves. And with that, yeah. I, I agree. Into our, okay, well, into our hearts, but not into our ears. There you go. Right. Him and his band and the music should all go somewhere else. And the rest of it, his yeah. acting and his artistry, we can we can still love and embrace. Uh, because he is a really great actor. I mean, you know, that, that he really is. I, I happen to love him as an actor. I, I don't want to see him in Les Mis. No, no, thank you. I don't want to really see Anne Hathaway in anything. <laughs> what, we're oh, I said that out now. loud? I said that out loud? Did I say Bless that out you. loud? Gesundheit. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Let me just, let me just cleanse our brain palate with, with a new ditty. Yes. Because, Jesus. All right, hold on. <laughs> I feel go. like there's a problem Jason. with Fox. Uh, you can't have two hit movie franchises. Shit, Marvel's got 16 different superhero shows that can go on but you can't have two movies about spies that have nothing to do with each other and one's hyper violent but funny and one has a female lead that's funny yeah you wonder why disney bought them <laughs> he's so right you know oh you can have kingsman you know but you can't have uh you can have kingsman but you can't have the other yeah no he, he could not be more right by the way to you, Jason Smith, Starburns Audio. Why can't we? I want Spy 2. I need Spy 2 now. Now you got me all thinking about Spy 2. What do you think, Keith? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, it's very short-sighted to think just because you've got one franchise that's doing well that another can't sit, like, next to it, especially um, <clears throat> a female-led franchise that could have been huge with Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Um, right. I'll be honest with you, um, I enjoyed the first Kingsman. 
I did not enjoy the second one. So I'm 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 actually probably out with that franchise now. Um, I might give this new prequel one a go, but I don't think that I'm going to be fully invested in. Uh, but if a new spy um, movie, Spy Two, came out, I'd definitely be invested in that because it's different and it's fun and it pokes fun at itself. Its tongue is firmly in its cheek, which I love. Um, but Kingsman, I think the steam is running out already. I'm not entirely sure why they're pressing forward with um, another uh, sequel because I don't think the second one actually was very good and did that well. No, but and on top of who it, am it forced who am us... I? Yeah, well, no, no, no. I agree with you. And on top of it, it, it subjected us. It thrust upon us the um, uh, Rocket Man. That's why we have Rocket Man <laughs> is because of fucking yeah. Kingsman. Like, you know what? Stop it. Stop it. Sir Elton, I love you. Stop it. Yeah, Please. I mean, he was good in Rocket Man. I must admit, he was. it was good. He, he, he did well at that part. I couldn't imagine many people taking on that role and having it as, as good, like as characteristic as he did for Elton John. But um, I would have rather seen I, Russell Crowe do I, it. I, I, oh, yeah, I'm, Russell Crowe as the old Elton John. Your, I'm poking your avatar in the eye right now. <laughs> I can't um, poke yours in the eye because of your 70s glasses. Can I just ask you a question? How's your blood pressure? <laughs> it's doing fine, Keith Andrew. You're okay, doing fine it might not here. after this. Do you know um what? do you know that Rocket Man Rocket Man was uh oh. was tipped to be playing um Wolverine in the MCU? What? Hello? What? Taron Egerton, Rocket what? Man, has been has been tipped to play Wolverine in the MCU. Oh, God. <laughs> how, why go how, with how, an alpha? Why go with an alpha when you can go with him? <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like him. I, I think he's just fine, but he's not fucking Wolverine. I mean, you're going from you, Jackman, nope. to this this guy. My blood pressure is not good right now, Keith. I would not yeah, pass a regular blood to... pressure cuff test. <laughs> I did want to check before I mentioned oh, it. Painful, man. That. That's painful. It's okay. Yeah, are, you, are you happy with that? Are you happy with that choice? Hell no. Of course not. I, I, I can't picture anyone else playing Wolverine apart from Hugh Jackman. So I have problems thinking about it being recast at all, let alone Taron Egerton playing it. Yeah, but, I um, mean, that's just, that's just, oh, come on. Yeah. Sorry oh about that. Lord. It's um, Fox. It's Fox. It's Kingsman, you know, it's 20th Century Fox. I don't think they're, you know, they make the best choices. That's all I'm going to say. No, I mean, how much choice are they going to, I mean, obviously, that they belong to Disney now, don't they? And Disney own Marvel. So this is how this is all happening in the first place. You know, this sort of um, the X-Men being able to, to enter the MCU. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry about Last that. Blasphemy. Um, Blasphemy. I know. I should have, I, I should have said to you before I tell you this news, just don't eat any cheese for the rest of today. Uh, cheese, right? The white man's candy. I can't, I can't, no I can't do this, Keith. Yeah, this is this is terrible. Okay, let's let's get another ditty going. Here we go. Part Sorry. of the fun of the Ghostbusters <laughs> was that they were kind of like plumbers. They weren't. They were scientists, but they were more like uh, 
they were like city workers, like people who'd be like jackhammering and shit. And it, and it made that job. It wasn't a sexy job. It was a, it was a, it was a job like a, I don't know, like a sewer worker would be or a garbage man and trying to make it and clean it up so that they were scientists. I think that was the thing that messed it up and trying to find a scientific reason for the ghosts and all that stuff. That was my problem with that movie more than anything else. There were really funny parts. Uh, but if they treated it more like, yeah, ghosts are just like, like shits in a toilet or, or, or bad, bad wiring <laughs> or asbestos. That was more fun. Yeah. More <laughs> time on spy two, less time on ghostbusters. Oh, rocket man's uh. going to be fucking Wolverine. I mean, yeah, sure. That sounds awesome. Great. Thanks. God, Thanks all, I've, all I've got to do now is mention annihilation. And Cliff Dorfman's going to go right over the edge. That's it. We're so whatever done. you do, guys, we're done. The don't show's over. It. Don't, don't mention it, guys. All right, don't mention it. I, I may have mentioned over. it once, but I think I got away with it. <laughs> oh my God! You really, you really, you really poking the bear, huh? Really poking the bear today, okay. Keith Andrew. Why That's okay. I me? just want a sequel. <laughs> I want a sequel to Annihilation. A sequel. What is the sequel of Annihilation going to be? Paid for like the second movie. Wait, which one? I was screaming over her. Missy, I'm sorry. What'd she say? <laughs> um, do actors get paid for the second movie? Okay, that's... Uh, an, yeah. that's a, I mean... Well, yes, but it's an interesting question because a lot of times when they'll, they'll hire a new actor, they sign them to a three-picture deal, at least, sometimes five, and they're giving them very, very small incremental bumps from one to two and from two to three. So they're not getting paid unless they're already, you know, a huge star when they get tapped. They are not looking at the kind of bumps you're you're thinking they're looking at by any means. Studios are way ahead of this. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I know I know that um, after doing some research for the um, for the I've never seen Harry Potter show that uh, Robin Williams offered his services for free to play Hagrid, but um, was turned down by, uh, I know, was turned down by J.K. Rowling or another one that we can't mention uh, because um, he wanted an all-British cast. What an unfabulous beast she is. Yes. By the way, Robin Williams, better idea for Wolverine. Than Taron Egerton. <laughs> oh right gosh. now, right oh now, goodness. I'd rather see Robin okay. Williams. Yeah, yeah, that's a <laughs> film that I'm sad that didn't get a sequel. Mrs. Doubtfire. That could have been quite fun. That really could have been. I mean, you know, you kind of feel like Robin Williams could have just done anything. So, like, if there was going to be a sequel, he would have made it funny. Yeah, I don't know what the story would have been, but. Mm. Um, was yeah, there such a great really story fun. in the first one? You know, you got Pierce Brosnan, you got Robin Williams playing Tootsie. It all works. <laughs> it all works. It it's, such a, it's a funny movie. I love that film. That's one of my childhood films. To drive by fruiting. <laughs> oh, my I mean, word. Right? 30 years later, one. we could just pull that. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> my five-year-old son loves all the originals and he didn't quite get the one with the girls in. Sounds awful, but he just didn't get it. Oh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. I, uh, listen, I wanted that to be great. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't this purist who was like, well, 
you know, it's, it's Bill Murray because I do think that movie is perfect. The first one, you know, as a comedy in that time, I don't know if you made it today, if it would be, but I did want it to be good. I wanted these women to knock it out of the park. I, I thought Paul Feig was the right choice. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, it just didn't work. I, I, I'd love to disagree, but I just cannot. It's funny how our listeners said that um, her son was engaged with the um, with the older films. I'm, 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 I don't know how old your son is, but you know, it's it's um, it's it makes my heart warm to know that there are younger people um, sort of experiencing and finding the original Ghostbusters films and loving them because they do deserve that love and they do stand up like really well. Do you know what I mean? I think the first film is really scary. You know, like the, with the dogs and the, uh, you know, Slimer and the bit, you know, with um, Sigourney Weaver hovering above the bed, like growling and snarling. I do think yeah. it's quite um, a risque Especially movie. for a comedy. Still. Yeah. Yeah. I love Rick Moranis it's just pounding on the window at Tavern on the Green in Central Park. I mean, it's pretty diabolical. Yeah. Like, this guy's losing his mind. Yeah, and people are just like, oh, darling, oh, oh, don't look, you know, and it's just like, really, it's it's a great film. I mean, it's one of those films, like, we, I, we've spoken about this before, but when you watch films at such a young age, and I feel like this with Ghostbusters and Star Wars and the Goonies, they sort of, like, become, like, in your DNA, they become part of you as a human, you know, like, you yeah, well quote said. things, no matter... No matter what emotional state you're in, you can always do the truffle shuffle, you know, so it's um, <laughs> it to me, it's just it lives inside you. It's in your DNA. And, you know, there's been times when I've spoken to people about like franchises like Ghostbusters or Star Wars. They go, oh, no, I haven't seen it. And you're like, oh, you should watch it. It's really good. <laughs> nah, nah, don't like that sort of thing. And you're like, oh, my God, that's like basically a, like you're offending part of who I am. Right. Do you know what I mean? You, I think now... it's very personal. Yes, you, mm. you've, you've put me off into a, into a place that I do, don't know that we can talk anymore. Like, I'm not yeah. sure we can See, go I'm, forward with this. Trust me, I've, um, I've been, you know, on talking to people that, you know, could have possibly been the loves of my life, like in a romantic sense. And they've turned around and said, no, nah, I don't really like Star Wars. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't really like your, uh, your attitude to life. And I don't really like, like you. you. Know, this is not for me. Yeah. Bye bye. By the way, before we go any yeah. further, don't you do a regular talk with uh, Jason Smith, Starburns Audio, where you do a watch party with Star with Star Wars? We do. Uh, it's usually on Tuesday. I think uh, we. I don't think we have an episode this Tuesday, but don't quote me on that. But um, next Tuesday, uh, we are on Rogue One. Well, please just, you know, you see the little follow button under Keith Andrew 2020's name and under my name. Just click on it everyone it would be awesome we would appreciate it we love you all we love having you here and uh we love you dropping in the middle of the argument with us so uh click follow <laughs> yeah no click follow and yeah, you'll get notified of our talks thank you for, i see the applause coming up i see people joining us and i just i love it i love everyone in the stereo community i, I really do it's a supportive yeah. wonderful place and i i always walk away from every one of my talks and our talks uh with something new with something like i'm a little better I mean that. I'm oh, not just saying absolutely. that. I, I, you know, I really do. I, I, and listen, I find it as odd as anyone else. I don't really like people. So the fact that I'm saying this <laughs> is, is beyond my comprehension, yet it's true. Um, and I will give a little uh, side note here, Keith, if you want to hear it. 
as I always share one of my like little stories. Uh, when I was younger, I think I was about 16 years old. I was writing for my high school paper. Well, I didn't really write for my high school paper. I was just obsessed with show business. So anytime I would find myself in some kind of scam where I, I, I got a celebrity to respond to me in some way, I would interview him for my school paper. And then, of course, you know, they would let me because who else was interviewing George Carlin or, you know, Rick Moranis. So Rick Moranis was on Saturday Night Live. And uh, oh, no, you know what? I'm fucking up. It was Tim Kazarinski. Sorry. Tim, Ka- see, see, Tim Kazarinski, Rick Moranis, look him up. Very similar. Very similar. So <laughs> I'd like to tell you this story, but we'll have to get to a Tim Kazarinski show. So when we get there, I'll tell you the story. But basically, I interview him. He invited me to Saturday Night Live. I got to bring this crush I had from camp that came with me. And uh, I think she still dated someone else afterwards. So it doesn't always work, folks. It doesn't always work. But it was a good interview. Tim Kazarinski, same uh, glasses, same glasses. All right, let's do another one. Let's do another one. I just got to give a shit, big shout out to Big Body for describing He-Man so concisely in less than a minute, um, as if nobody had ever heard it before, um, which I really appreciate because if I had never heard of it before, um, I think you did a really good job of that. Uh, Thank you. Agreed. I loved how Big Body got us right into it. And also, I love that he, he really did think no one knew it. So in case you didn't, you yeah. were well informed by the time he finished. I love that he said that we were all too young. He really is like, good. That is a good that is a good thing because um, you know, I, I don't think I would have known really who He Man was unless, you know, if I didn't get hand me downs, and I did get a lot of hand me downs um, wow. from sort of the mid mid eighties from my older brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, we had all the Thundercats and He-Man figures and, you know, Star Wars and Mask and all these, like, toys. They all, like, kids in my class were playing with bloody Pokemon and I was playing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I was happy with that because that was um, more interesting to me because uh, that's what we were watching on the TV as well because we had all those sort of TV shows and that recorded from from Saturday morning cartoons. So... You know, it like, again, it goes back to the whole thing of being like in your DNA, doesn't it? The toys that you played with, the TV shows yes. you watched, really do make up in your development years who you are as a person. And I, I, I thank my brother for that. My brother is still a massive geek. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, he's got Unlike his little boy now, Robin. With... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. what does that mean? You? <laughs> it's like the pot calling the kettle here. What are you doing? We're all geeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the biggest. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Come on. But he he started it off in me, definitely. And like we're starting to introduce my nephew now, who's five, uh, into these franchises like Star Wars Brilliant. and getting him to play with like Transformer toys. So not getting him to play, but just introducing it. Because I do think that if you, these things that you grew up with keep you creative because your imagination is still ticking by, even though it's not at the forefront of our, like, sort of psyche like when we were kids because obviously now we're thinking about like paying bills and earning money and paying taxes but you know i think that people that were did have a good imaginations and were creative when they're young it does tick away in your subconscious and i think that that's why like people like your good self um continue to tell great stories and make great movies and tv shows because in the back of your mind all those shows and all that those movies that you used to watch as a kid you know are still living inside you in your dna and and your imagination is ticking away even though you are still worried about taxes in the back (laughs) of your mind you're you're still a big kid 
Yep, we are. We we are, and you're absolutely right. And you know, it it is one of the bigger uh, and and more formidable uh, things that that shaped me, and and still does. You know, I, I still look back, whether it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, whether it's certain scenes, whether it's, you know, you, you E.T. and how I would go out in the middle of the night to like see a midnight show when I shouldn't, you know, like just all the things that movies and TV did to me and for me. Um, it's why I'm sitting here, you know, I mean, and no, I think you're absolutely right, Keith. I get it. So I know we're getting late. Uh, we usually wrap around this time, but I want to get through these messages. So should we mm -hmm. get through these last these last five we have here? and see what, what our Let's lovely listeners have to say. Hey, Keith, what is your I'm favorite good, movie of all times that you grew up watching? Ah. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. um, what is it, Keith? I would say my favorite movie growing up, um, I'm going to say I, I'm split between The Goonies and Jurassic Park. They're my two like films that I would watch like on repeat. And when I say on repeat... I do not lie to you when I say that it, on a Saturday morning when my mum was at work and my dad just did just left us in front of the TV, he didn't know what to do. Um, I, we just literally <laughs> played Jurassic Park. It got to the, the final scene. Me and my brother would rewind it back to the beginning and just watch it again. Like, that's what we used to do. We used to love it so much. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with um, The Goonies and Jurassic Park. And Star Wars, of course, but um, Return of the Jedi only up to the bit when Jabba dies because I used to turn it off after that bit. And not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday, you can tune back in to Keith Andrew 2020s and Starburns Audio watch party for uh, every Star Wars movie made. So, uh, and they're doing it with yeah. you. So click follow on Keith Andrew 2020s and follow me just for the hell of it. Just for uh, smits and giggles, which you can also hear tonight at seven o'clock with Starburns Audio. All right, let's do another one, Keith Andrew. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, you like how I do giggles, that? You like that? Brilliant. You like that? Yeah, I like that a lot. To be fair, <laughs> Jackman went from Wolverine to playing Barnum and Bailey or Barnum or Bailey, I don't know what the fuck one, in The Greatest Showman. So, just saying. Yeah, but still, he's Wolverine. That's why he can go play Barnum and Bailey. Or Barnum or yeah, Bailey. Yeah, but also, Hugh Jackman was doing, like, Oklahoma, you know, on Broadway, and then in the live movie, and then went into Wolverine. So, he started in musicals, then did Wolverine, then went back to his roots. Whereas Taron Egerton, you know, is sort of done Kingsman musical, and then God knows what if he did um, Wolverine. It's just not the sort of same sort of journey, I, I think, career-wise. But I just no, can't see anyone else. Definitely playing not. It. Did he play a Ringling brother? Was he not a Ringling? Or was he a Barnum or Bailey? I'm just saying. You're, you're just saying know. words. <laughs> words. Say words. I, right, I've go. got no idea what you're talking about. We're talking about the greatest showman. <laughs> the greatest showman. Yeah. No. Listen, I love the music to the greatest showman. Um, and then I watched the film and I vowed never to watch the movie again, just to listen to the soundtrack because the film that I created from the soundtrack, listening to it, I listened to the soundtrack first the film I created in my head from listening to the music was so much better than the actual film itself. So I don't, I, for me, the film doesn't exist. It's just the soundtrack. And I felt, I filled in the gaps. Well, Keith, you know, you bring up something that's really interesting and important. And it's one of the reasons we love doing these talks and we've done so many adaptation talks, you know, best adaptations, worst adaptations. And because the book 
you read, you know, forms the movie you create in your mind. And then it's many times why we don't, we don't like the movie as much as we like the book because we formed a different mind movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. Thought it was a, a good yeah, point. No, totally. I was just kind of running in on that. I'm thinking you played a ringling. That's what I'm saying. Next. Hey, uh, first time <laughs> listener, first time caller. Hey, Dan. Uh, great show, guys. I'm uh, not looking forward to the uh, possible Terminator sequel uh, number, what, <laughs> seven, eight, nine. The last one just was. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was uh, horrible. I uh, uh, would never watch that again. Um, yeah, what do you guys think about a, another possible uh, Terminator movie? Cheers. First of all, hey, Davos. And I think, uh, Hello, my friend. Uh, welcome to Stereo. Yes, welcome. Um, welcome. Thank you for listening and thank you for commenting. What are you going to say, Keith? Let me hear it. Oh, I mean, like, I'm so over the Terminator franchise. I'm done. In my mind, there is two films in the Terminator franchise. There is Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. That is it. I don't understand. What are these other films that people are talking about? They don't exist in my world. It's in a parallel universe to me. Uh, I just think it's um, a waste of time, a waste of money. Um, Dark Fate was hyped up so much. You had James Cameron saying that he loved it, that it was like the return of the Terminator franchise to its golden days. You've got like the director of, Deadpool and it was so, it, everyone was so hyped up about it and you watched it and it was just crap crap it was just crap look I agree crap. I agree with all of it and, and here's what I'll say I have the biggest crush on Amelia Clark I mean like I mean I don't know who doesn't I, I guess if you're not into women you don't but I mean even if you're not how can you not love Amelia Clark I didn't like that I don't like any of them. One and two is where it begins and ends for me. And two is a perfect movie. Terminator 2 yeah. is a perfect movie. One of the best sequels ever made. And if we would have laid it to bed right there, put it to rest, stuck it in a deep grave, never to be touched again, we'd have a perfect two film franchise. Instead, now mm-hmm. we have the ruins of what Terminator once was, including that, what's her name, that Loki woman? You oh, know God. what I'm talking I mean, about. You know. Yeah, I do. You know. You know yeah. who I'm talking about. That that I don't. And listen, nothing I, against her, but it, it's a hard role to step into. But just you know what? And you can't say no, especially if you're at that position in your life. But you know, maybe you want to say no. I mean, it's 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 yeah. oh so bad, man. I agree with with uh, Davoff, right? Davoff? Did I get that right? Davos? Yeah, Dav. Yeah, yeah. They should yeah. have just stuck with the TV show. The TV show, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, wasn't actually that bad. I quite enjoyed it, and it was what it was, you know. Yeah, and, no, it's um, not bad. The guy who me, wrote uh, War of the Worlds was the uh, creator of that. Um, uh, I can't. Josh, mm. I think his name is uh, Josh Friedman, and uh, you know Friedman, David Kep. Yeah. yeah, David Kepri wrote him on War of the Worlds, but then they gave him the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I have to say I really enjoyed too. Um, and, yeah. and he's not really a favorite writer of mine, but I thought he nailed it. Like, I thought if you're going to do a TV series, great, great call, Keith. Yeah, I would have liked 
to stay mm. with one and two, and then as a series, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And as we say in Yiddish, Shine Fatik. We call it a fucking day. We're done with it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm and saying. And the biggest problem for me was the, the biggest problem was that they hyped up Dark Fate. Like to be the 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 oh. best thing in the Terminator universe since um Terminator Two. And I just don't think that that is like, you know, just don't do that. Just let the film come out and let the audiences I mean, I know you're trying to sell a film, but try and sell it you know, with the trailer and the interviews with the actors, don't go, oh, and James Cameron thinks it's the best thing ever. Because you you probably interrupted James Cameron while he's in some sort of virtual reality creating special effects for Avatar 9. Do you know what I mean? You probably interrupted yeah. him. Like, and, just um, stop it. Yeah, just I, stop it, man. Just, just stop it. No more Terminators. Yeah. Yeah, no more. Well, well, no more. You know, what we got in, in Dark Fate was that James Cameron was part of a story, as was Josh Friedman, by the way. And then you had David Goyer, who wrote the script. And uh, uh, listen, and, and, and you know, uh, James uh, produced, right? But doesn't he always? No, he doesn't, yeah. actually. Well, no, he doesn't. He, he did one and two. And then uh, and then uh, and then Dark Fate, which was really a dark, dark. Fate. But but Mr. Dorfman. What yes, is sir. like a producer? It's not that he probably looked at the script like over, went, hmm, okay, maybe this could change, maybe this could change, and then never. Yeah, got while he was in his submarine, again. he was in his submarine exploring yeah. alien worlds below the sea, and he's like, "Sure, this looks great. Send it back up." Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, right. yeah, come we on, got, let's, let's, we got let's three more. Realistic. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah listen, I'm with you. Well. I'm with you. We agree. No more Terminators. Thumbs down. Stop it. It won't stop because there's too much money in it, but stop it. All right. Here we go. The first time I saw Ghostbusters, I cried when we went to the movies and saw it. I didn't see yeah. anything funny about it. It wasn't until after I saw it again at home that I realized uh, it was hilarious. But also, I think I was probably six or seven when I saw it the first time. And you're right. The dogs, uh, uh, Zool. But I'll tell you this. Um, I'm pretty sure also uh, Sigourney Weaver, when she becomes Zool and she's standing in the door, is the first time I remember having a boner and not knowing what to do, which was equally <laughs> as scary um, because I didn't know what was going on down there. All right. There's my there's the official uh, Starburns audio shared way too much story of the day. Congratulations. <laughs> I love Jason so, so uh, much. A boner during Ghostbusters. Isn't that rigor mortis? For more stories like boners during Ghostbusters, follow Starburns Audio uh, right away <laughs> if you're not already following them. And do us a favor. Click follow underneath Keith Andrew 2020s. Click follow underneath me. Just why not? Just for Smiths and Giggles, which you can listen to at 7 o'clock Pacific time. He does That's Jason Smith he and does Mrs. Smitty. What? Yeah. He does realize that 143 <laughs> listeners are listening to this story. And also, this is recorded. This yeah, he is doesn't recorded. give a fuck. Yeah, that's what's great about People Jason. He doesn't give it. a fuck. He doesn't care. That's <laughs> why I love him. It's why he's my partner. It's why I couldn't live without him, honestly. He's one of the best. And if you're not following him, follow him. Follow Mrs. Smitty. Follow Keith Andrews. And just click follow on me, just for the smits and giggles of it. All right, let's do another one. We're almost we're, we're almost down to the, to the wire here. And then we got to call it a night because it's are. past midnight and Keith Andrews getting tired. What do you think the future of movies is going to be like? Oh God, <laughs> that's a whole other oh discussion. We could do a whole talk on that. We will. We will come back to us in um, about I don't know twenty three and a half years. 
and we will be answering that question. What is the no, we future could, of movies? We could do a whole talk on that. Literally, we could really. We could. I mean, what? Yeah, I and mean, let's think about that. Actually, doing a talk on it, like the future of movies. I kind of like that since it falls in line with you know everything we have been talking about. So let's let's put that on the calendar. What do you think, Keith? Absolutely. I mean, I'm still um, working my way through the Britney documentary. That's still in the calendar. Do you love it? Oh, you haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it. I'm working my way through it. Mm. I'm making Mm. notes, put it like that. Mm. (laughs) Okay, good. I can't wait. All right, let's get to another one. I read the novelization of Tim Burton's Batman when I was a kid because I was really excited for it. Um, You know, and it was like very hyped. But the book, the novel came out like, I don't know, maybe a month or two months before the movie actually released. And I read it. And um, you know, I'm a kid, so I'm dreaming big things. I'm 12 years old, and then I watch this movie, and it's much more stilted and stunted in the movement and the action, and it's not right where I was, and it's a little campier even than what I imagined in my head. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, it took me a long time to appreciate that movie. I still can't really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least that story didn't end in a boner, <laughs> in an involuntary yes. boner due to the Batman novelization. So, yeah, you know, I mean, thumbs up. I, I, it's really funny, isn't it, how they were releasing so many novelizations of the films like before they'd even come out back then. They'd never do that now. Can you no, imagine no. if the, uh, can you imagine if the the novelization of, um, I don't know, uh, the Rise of Skywalker came out like a month before the film? No one would go and see it. Well, I think that I think they figured it out. <laughs> you know, if you want to release a novelization, release it after. Don't release it before. I mean, it's like let's put, let's put yeah. the script out and see what everybody thinks before we yeah. release the movie. <laughs> tell tell us what you think if you want to come see it after that, and we'll release the novelization yeah. for like a, you know at least half the price or less of the ticket. Yeah, that's crazy yeah. to me that they did that. Yeah, I know. Doesn't Listen, quite, we were in a different time. I'll tell you what: the future of movies yeah. isn't novelizations next yes indeed terminator 2 was a great movie Captain Jimmy. Uh, because of the other movies they made in that series it ruins the timeline especially um dark fate dark fate does not make sense at all because the fact that the uh, terminators need john connor to survive you know their whole purpose of survive or of existing is because of john connor because and the first Terminator, they were trying to go after Sarah Connor, ultimately to kill John Connor. But because they sent the Terminator back then, they were humans were able to get a piece of the uh, Terminator and turn that into uh, the Terminators, the, you know, the whole Skynet thing. And because that happened, um, you know, the Terminators exist. But since if you killed John Connor, there's no purpose of them to send a Terminator back in time to uh, uh, to give. I feel like there's. You're right. It doesn't make. He's right. And by the way, you know what I was thinking of when I was saying all this was that don't 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 hate me, but we can do an entire talk just on the Terminator franchise. Oh, we will. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Even we should do that. Let's get meta. That's not a possibility. That's a fact. Okay, yeah, let's 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 pen that in. Okay, we have. I know we do this every week, so we have to come up with content. But our listeners help us so much. This is why we love you guys. Seriously, yeah. guys, girls, don't women, you, he, she, binary, you, uh, non-binary. Love all of you. Don't you um, don't you meta, Cliff? We're gonna do don't it. Don't you meta? That's good. 
That's good, you. That's good. You're good, you. You're good, you. Speaking <laughs> of sequels, analyze that. Analyze this. You're good, you. All right, let's do another one. I know this is sequel mania, <laughs> but I'm going to throw Mo. a reboot in the mix because I really want to see Blade oh. rebooted with Michael B. Jordan. You heard it Everyone wants to see Blade. Got it. Um, Dorf died at the end, so Go ahead. Yeah, Mahufusala Ali. I think that's how you pronounce the first name. I'm really bad. Uh-huh. Um, is playing Blade in the MCU. It's been or officially announced. That's going to be Fusala so awesome. Ali is playing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great. I loved Blade movies. Was this night's Blade movies are oh. like some of my favorite uh, Marvel films. But I thought Dorf cool was that. like the best yeah. villain. I thought Dorf was amazing. Mm-hmm. Were you a yeah, fan or no? I'm talking yeah. about Stephen Dorff. Hundo P. Hundo P. Yeah, yeah. Big fan. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> love it. No, he's love great. It, I'm not just pumping it because he's a friend of mine. I mean, I really, I love him. I think he was great in that. And I thought he brought an extra level of gravitas to what Wesley and Chris Christopherson were doing. You know, it really was scary. I, I fucking love Blake. And it was one of the first, was expect- it the first R-rated? Sorry, was it the first R-rated one? Oh, yeah, definitely. So yeah. Cool. So cool. Yeah. Well, when I yeah, cut you off, you were asking something, yeah. Keith. I'm sorry. No, I mean, Michael, with uh, Michael B. Jordan, I think that would be confused because obviously he played the baddie in, um, in Black Panther. Right. So um, I don't, and obviously Blade is being brought into the MCU. So I don't think they're going to want to confuse it by casting, you know, people like that, even though they do it all the bloody time. But yeah. But I do think uh, it's a good idea. Yeah, they want- like I like the, you know. But what what wouldn't you watch Michael B in, right? Oh, he's so fit. Just saying. Right. Just saying. Right. No, but yeah, he yeah, is. definitely. He's great. He's, he's fit. Gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, inside yeah. and out. Talent wise, everything. Yeah. This guy is just. And if you ever have the pleasure of meeting him, such a gentleman. The nicest, nicest person. You know, it's oh, like oh, that sometimes they say don't meet your heroes, but in this case, you know. You know, rush to meet your hero. He is he is a special, special soul. All right, uh, let's let's get through these because we got to wrap it up soon. Hey, right, you can tell so many stories, you know, and somebody will like it, somebody won't. Uh, True. So I just you know I don't give a fuck uh, <laughs> if I want to say something. So I think that's kind of mindset he's going out. Like, what the fuck? I mean, you're going to get offended <laughs> about something like that because it's sexual. Well, go fuck off. I mean, was that for another talk? I think that was for another talk. <laughs> I don't think that was for us. All right. But respect you. Respect you. Sending love and moving forward. Hey, you guys oh, no, really should do a whole talk on the future brother. of movies. Sorry, I think Keith. that'd be an awesome topic from, you know, somebody in the industry and uh, do it. Yeah, we're gonna. We're okay. scheduling it in. What were you saying, Keith? I'm sorry, I pressed play too soon. I think I think when he said about sexual, I think he might have been talking about Starburns Audio's boner during Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay, well then we love it. <laughs> and thank you for that. And uh again, follow Starburns Audio. If you're not following Keith Andrew 2020s already, just click right beneath his name. I'm seeing the fire. I'm seeing the applause. I love you guys. I love you girls. I love the he, she, they, all of you. We absolutely love you. And thank you for being here. And, you know, click follow underneath my name, just for smits and giggles, which you can watch and listen to it. What do I say watch, Keith Andrew? 
Why don't we say watch? Because I'm such a watcher. You just, you just down with the kids. <laughs> I'm down with the kids. That's All right, let's do, we got two left. <laughs> we got two left, and we're calling it a wrap for the day. So let's see our last two. Let's do it. I would love to see a sequel to the Shawshank Redemption. I gotta know uh, what, what those guys started there down south on the beach there, and see what kind of uh, stuff that. Yeah. Okay. Bye. I'm in. Thumbs way up. Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, I'm in. I just think it would be a little bit boring. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. You bring Frank Darabont back, I'm in. How many times can you watch them like make beans for breakfast? I don't know. Work on the boat. If Morgan Freeman's talking, (laughs) I can listen to it for a long time, man. Listen, I get what you're saying. I'm just gonna... I really do, but I, 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 no, I, I want to give a thumbs up because I want to see it so bad. But I don't know where it goes. You know, if it we're talking professional, a bit like a, a sort of a Sunday afternoon sort of radio drama <laughs> is where I'm placing this right now. Yeah, not necessarily a big budget movie or a graphic novel. <laughs> I, I, yeah, my 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 fanboy. My inner and outer fanboy wants to go, yes, yes, right away, yes. But yeah, if I'm talking as a professional, I have to say there's nowhere to go with it. And, you know, now they're down south, what are they doing, you know? I mean, unless it becomes, yeah, no, I don't know. I got to go. I'm sad that I have to go thumbs down. They could adopt. I was thinking, thank you for saying that. (laughs) Thank you for saying that, man. Because that's exactly, I was going to say, is it a love story? Yeah, I, thank yeah. you so much, Keith Andrew, for knowing my mind. <laughs> I, I appreciate you and filling in where I cannot. Boldly going where I'm not we, allowed to. We've been doing this long enough now. I, I know exactly what you're thinking. You do. You do. All right, this is our last message, so let's do this. Here we go. You get one boner story a day, gentlemen. Don't get greedy. <laughs> the perfect ending. Oh, oh my God, Keith, cute. this has yeah. been... Such an amazing show, and to our entire stereo community, it's because of you all that it makes it this amazing. Your your ads, we came up with two new talks today just because of our listeners and uh, your participation. Absolutely. And, and Jason Smith, mm-hmm. if you're not following Starburns Audio already, please follow him. He's got a great show coming on at 7 o'clock called Smiths and Giggles that he does with his wife, Mrs. Smitty. So if you're looking for something uh, fun and a little petulant on Valentine's Day, you can listen to them. And Keith <laughs> Andrew, just just click follow underneath his name and my name. And he's got his watch party show. He does so, You do so many shows. that They're all great. But I know you do one with oh, Jason on Tuesdays. That's uh, what you're watching we Star do, Wars yes. and commenting, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's not this Tuesday. Uh, next Tuesday, we'll be doing. Uh, we've watched the prequel movies. We are on Rogue One. Is our next Ooh. episode? That's good. And that's a week from Tuesday. Mm. They'll be back doing that. So a week from follow under our names. Come on, come on, and thank you so much for seeing the applause. I'm seeing all the listeners. I, it really touches me and touches Keith. And not in the way you're saying or thinking. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. And uh, no Ghostbuster bonus around here, please. No Ghostbuster much. boners around here. I'm going to just sign off by saying my first boner was Ginger from Gilligan's Island. If that gives you an idea of how long I have been alive. Thank you very much. Everybody, Keith Andrew, I love this. So next <laughs> week, we're back, right? Next Sunday. We are uh, back. Two o'clock. Yep, 2 o'clock uh, Pacific, we are, and 5 we're gonna Eastern, be... 10 GMT. We are, and we're going to... 
we're going to be talking about the best and worst superhero film sequels. So bring it. We expect you all back here. Bring at it this on. time next Sunday. Keith Andrew, thank you so much. I love you. This has been amazing thank you. again. Love okay, you too. everyone. Bye, everyone. Have a great one. Take thank care. you for being here. Bye. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast. Don't forget, you can contact us at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com or on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we look forward to welcoming you back next time here on the Films I Love Most podcast. <laughs>